0: Do you read Stephen King? Good news, there's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights.
1: Consequence Podcast Network.
0: From the leafy streets
1: of Springwood, Ohio, to the barred windows at 1428, we, we are, are Halloweenies. This is God.
2: And believe in my dream for me.
3: Believe in my dream just for me.
0: And we'll break the mold. Trick or treat. Oops. Uh, We're still here in Elm Street or on Elm Street, I should say. We're actually in Springwood still. So, yes, welcome again to another episode of Halloweenies, a Freddy Krueger podcast, formerly Michael Myers in Haddonfield, Illinois. Uh, I'm your host, editor-in-chief Michael Rothman, and I'm here today to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. But hey, wait a second, you're asking, didn't you already cover A Nightmare on Elm Street? That's a good question. And yes, we did cover A Nightmare on Elm Street. We covered 1984 A Nightmare on Elm Street, directed by Wes Craven. But today, we're talking about 2010's A Nightmare on Elm Street, directed by Samuel Baer. Yeah, no fanfare. Oh, interesting. How about that? But I'm not alone here in Chicago, Illinois.
1: Uh, I'm here with this is Mackenzie Marcus Gerber. <laughs> That's right, Marcus from the web diaries section of this uh, brilliant film, <laughs> the web diary. And, uh, oh, yeah. I am a constant <laughs> contributor. To this podcast, as well as, uh, as well as the Stephen King podcast, Losers Club. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And that's a really nice
0: deep cut for your nickname, Mac. I, I, oh, yeah, I, appreciate, I you'd that. appreciate that. Are you, you're, 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 I appreciate that. You might be a stand of this movie. Who knows? I think if, you, if you're going that deep into this reference, then... Okay. Got a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we're not alone talking about uh, this nightmare. Uh, we're joined by two guests. Uh, our first guest is calling in from Nashville, Tennessee. Could you introduce yourself?
4: Hi, I am Jen Connie Britton-Adams. Um, I'm co-host of the Horror Virgin podcast. We're a comedy horror podcast. And yeah, yeah, happy to talk about this movie.
0: <laughs> have you covered this film previously on that podcast or the original we have one?
4: Not. We actually just Friday recorded our episode on the original one.
0: Oh, interesting. So was- Nightmare is fresh in your mind.
4: <laughs> it really is, yeah. And I don't think well, my feelings probably would have changed if I had not seen the original so close to rewatching this one. So yeah.
0: it definitely is, uh, changes the perception of the film for sure. And, and, I, and I think there's a lot of discussion that we'll be having here of whether or not the intention for the producers or the directors even were for this movie to go over people's heads that, you know, if they hadn't seen the original one, because they kind of emulate so much of it. But, uh, we have a fourth guest, and you might recognize him from a previous episode, in fact. Uh, we He's uh, calling in from Austin, Texas. Please introduce yourself.
3: Yes, hi. This is Trace Snoozy Mara Thurman, and <laughs> I am the... <laughs> I made that up today when I was hungover. Uh, <laughs> I... I... I am the co-host of the uh, Horror Queers podcast, and yes, I was on previous episode on Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Yes, and that was a fun <laughs>
0: episode, and a wild episode, too, because I wasn't joined by anyone in the studio at the time, and it was three different callers, all calling from different locations, although I believe we had Dan Caffrey on that one, so he was calling from Austin mm-hmm. as well with Trace. So, in fact, yeah. y- you, and, uh, you and Dan should have gotten uh, oh, uh, together oh. down there, and it would have been um, even easier, probably, <laughs> um, but it was a wild <laughs> yeah, <never> podcast, <laughs> because it was literally just me talking, it. In a room all by myself And Mac, I'm very glad that you're here To uh, not make it three other callers On the on the line can't, uh, can't
1: wait to dive in It
0: gets a little <laughs> wild But hey, this is special too Because Mac and I actually saw this movie together When it first opened uh, With Gaffrey, oh, in that's fact That's right That's um, the only thing I remember About
1: seeing this film originally so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But
0: you know what? It's funny is that So, I, you know, this opened um, In April of 2010 <laughs> And I remember being, like, pretty excited for it. Uh, I I was, you know, I I actually, you know, look, Platinum Dunes, you could say a lot, we're going to talk a lot about that in the Weston Hills section, but I was just stoked to have another Nightmare movie again because it had been since Freddy vs. Jason, and I didn't really hate so much about a lot of the remakes that were coming out. Like, I, I wasn't, like, you know, stoked about them, but I just enjoyed the idea of being able to go see a horror movie, and I remember us seeing it, and I don't think we were that I don't remember us our reaction being like that like you know, heated after seeing this movie. Mark.
1: I we we were kind of stoked. I, I think we were all a little worried about Freddie not being Robert Englund. And no offense to Jack E H, but E H, uh, <laughs> who who I do love a, a lot in a lot of yeah. other films. But you know, I think I just remember walking out thinking, all right, you know, yeah. like it was it, it just didn't it was like, Oh, why would we do that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it was weird, uh, for a franchise that you could do anything with. They, so much of it was a retread. Yeah. But yeah. ultimately, uh, yeah, I was kind of ambivalent about it when we left. And, uh, yeah,
0: I think the ambivalent is, is is a good word to lean on here because I I I feel like that's been my notion for the last oh my god we're almost at ten years with this movie already that's well, fucking insane it, but Trace it, what was the, what was your first time uh, seeing this
3: yeah I, I saw this in theaters and I remember like. I was the marketing. So Platinum Dunes was really good at marketing their remakes. Yeah. Um, the tra- both trailers for this movie are very, very, very effective, and it makes it look like a much better movie than it is. Um, so I I did see this in theaters opening. Like I think one of those like when they still did well not still did, but when they were just doing midnight shows on Thursday yes. night, like we, um, but like they they didn't do the seven p.m. shows. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, yeah, I remember those.
3: <laughs> yeah, and so I just remember like when the credits like when it, the credits rolled, my friend looked at me and goes, "I think that might be the worst thing I've seen in theaters in a very long time," <laughs> and. <laughs> It's it's so interesting, because even when I posted about watching this yesterday, so many people were like, oh, my God, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I while I don't particularly like this movie, I don't think it's the like the most egregious horror remake I've ever seen. I really agree. Yeah. Like when put up against something like Prom Night or When a Stranger Calls, The Fog, like those to me are those movies around like the 2000s where I'm like, those are just aggressively bad remakes. (laughs)
0: Agreed. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the fog is awful. Oh, the like fog that, is, that is another level Ugh. of bad. And I love Tom Welling, and I just—but uh, yeah, it's, I I agree in that respect because it really still doesn't. The, yeah, the, egregious is a good word also to lean on them it because it's like I feel like that it, it's latched onto that mostly because of it being of not having any like sort of legacy to it. Maybe I, I think yeah. maybe that might be it because like this was a success. I mean, it wasn't a failure. It made a lot more- and in that, it, but it just vanished. You know, and like it was like it, it hit that that splash in the, the first weekend, and then by the second weekend it was kind of just gone because I think Iron Man two had come out or something like that. But by well, then it was just I don't know
1: another great movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh it, it, was, it was it was kind of very similar to the box office trajectory of um the Friday Thirteenth remake, which you know made like what forty million opening weekend and then just into the second weekend. But I think <laughs> even then. That's a remake that's discussed more when people are talking about. I like the Friday Thirteenth remake. I think it's very effective, um, or at least like it's very Same. fun. Same, um, yeah. And I, I feel like though people don't like people forget that this one exists, and, th- and that's that's its biggest crime.
0: Jen, what was uh, you know what was your first introduction to this movie? Did you actually see it in theaters when it first came out?
4: I don't think so. I actually don't remember the first time I saw it, which probably means I rented it and just watched it at home one day. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the Friday the 13th – sorry, of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Um, And so I just kind of – it wasn't super on my radar to go see it in theaters, and I've since come to really love it. But um, I don't remember hardly anything about this movie. The one thing that I do remember is – Rooney Mara's chipped nail polish in it, which is a hard thing to latch onto. But if you think about it, this movie is like the chipped black nail polish of the whole Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. It's it really just, is. Yeah, it's really dark. It's not quite um all there, you know. Mm-hmm. I do not hate this movie. I think it does some interesting things. I just don't think it does it all the way, you know.
3: Well. And there's a lot of good concepts that are brought up, but then mm-hmm. it's like those interesting concepts are dropped almost immediately after they're <laughs> yeah, introduced. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I think the one of the things that Mac and I were talking about just even while setting up the the rig here. Was just that it, it lacks so much imagination but at the same time it, it has imaginative qualities to it it's just yeah. as if like right. it's so half-assed done and you don't and i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that like there's not a lot of love in this movie like you don't see anyone really like loving what they're doing i mean like even like rooney mara who later on had like one of the the pissiest quotes ever i, I like brad misca uh wrote mm-hmm. about it on bloody disgusting and he's just like there's nothing I hate more than excuses, and this is kind of an insulting story, but she like literally quoted later on after this movie, like, you kind of learn to self-sabotage with this thing you don't want to get, she tells the magazine. Sometimes you don't want to get something, but you do a really good job and you get it anyway. That's kind of what happened with A Nightmare on Elm Street. I didn't even really want it. And then when I went into the audition, I was like whispering, fuck, I definitely got that, which is like such a pretentious thing to say, like later yeah. on, when you actually got a success, but it also really fully describes the, like, the aura of aura of the, the movie like behind the scenes that translates I think uh, onto the screen because like what you can say about the Friday the 13th remake is there's a lot of love that goes into that movie because the people that wrote Absolutely. the screenplay really love that fucking franchise <laughs> and I just don't yeah. see that here and I think that's one of the reasons why maybe the fans just have just recently just like kind of crumpled it up and just like thrown it away because it's just like okay yeah it made a lot of money but nobody loved it nobody wanted to continue doing it again I mean like fucking Jackie Earl Healy's like he's contracted to two more sequels, but like there's yeah. been no interest in ever re- you know, resuscitating this. So I think it is like this weird, like the chip nail, I think is a very apt visual uh, for this film. It,
3: that, that quote with Mara is so surprising to me though, because it's like, she wasn't a big name at this time, you know, no. she hadn't done dragon tattoo yet. And so it's like, I, I mean, I, I don't like to suppose about what an actor, actress is like, you know, outside of like, cause I don't know them. I can't ever assume, but that quote, it's like you, you like, you didn't have the status mm-hmm. yet to think that about a movie, I feel like. Yeah. And you land this presumably really big budget, big movie that might be good. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know, it seems very ungrateful. And I, I, that, yes. that's kind of a big thing for me with Actors and Actors. I'm like, when you seem ungrateful about movies that get you to where you are today, like even, no matter the quality of the film, it's just kind of like, ugh, like it, it looks bad to me.
4: And that's the opportunity to play a really iconic, beloved role in horror. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, that that frustrates me, and I wonder if that speaks to her kind of upbringing in this like yes. super wealthy family. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I think oh, yeah, that's the first thing I
0: thought of for sure.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she's down the Steelers one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact that like Kate Mara is already involved. Uh, her sister, the fact that, I mean, I'm pretty sure her folks own the New York Giants. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of like, very, there's a lot of privilege to that quote, but I I do think that it's a fair quote to assign to this movie and I wanted to bring that up before we get to Weston Hills Asylum because, you know, we're going to be talking about in that section a lot of the production history on it, but I think that our own feelings um, our own in, you know, initial thoughts of this movie really register and ring true to just how this movie was made. But let's talk about how that movie was made, or this movie was made. Jesus Christ, Mike, wake up. Wake up! <laughs> oh my God, I need some hypnocell. Don't fall asleep. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but let's go to Weston Hills Asylum.
3: The fact that we all dreamt about this guy before we ever met doesn't seem to impress anybody. So we go in circles, making minimal progress
4: with maximum effort. You won't make any progress until you recognize your dreams for what they are.
2: And what are
4: they? The byproducts of guilt. Psychological scars stemming from moral conflicts and overt sexuality. Oh, great. Nass, my dick is killing me.
0: All right. As I mentioned, this is the section we're going to be talking about, you know, the director, the writers, the, the you know, the crew of the film. Well, in, in, in addition to the production history. Uh, Trace you actually had a chance to talk to the screenwriter of this film because there's two screenwriters assigned to this first off as I mentioned before filmmaker Samuel bear huge huge music video director I mean if you think about all the famous music videos of the past like 20 years he's been assigned to him and I believe Michael Bay like repped really hard for him to direct this movie, probably because his his music videos are so imaginative. And, you know, Bay, who's such an imaginative person, is... um, <laughs> was like, we got to get this guy for A Nightmare on Elm Street. And... It was kind of
1: sad. You know? I, I remember looking up the director the other day just to be like, okay, who is this again? I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I was like rolling down those music videos, like, yeah, yeah. you hit Nightmare on Elm Street. And then after that, it's just all music videos again. Yep. You know? it's yeah, so it's like, sad.
3: Michael Bay followed the same kind of blueprint that he did for the Texas Chainsaw remake too which is like you know get a music video director to do this horror remake and they both kind of have the same like that slick look to them Mm -hmm. but I would argue that Texas Chainsaw remake is a much better more successful remake of the original than this one is of this but and I also think that this movie I think it's I do think this movie is well directed but it's missing something that I think whereas the Texas Chainsaw Massacre like has it's pretty but it also feels you want to take a shower after you watch that movie which is what that movie should do um and so I and it, I think it speaks wonders that like Bayer didn't do anything after this. He's not yeah. done a single movie since this. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know who's dressing this up or the set design or the, there's the, there's no lived in feel to this no. film at no. all. No. Like I, I agree with you. I think the directing is actually pretty good and there's some sequences that really work for me. But wow, it just – it feels like such a set. It feels like no one's invested. Mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> – weird yeah and and which
0: really sad too because like they, this production was in illinois and at this was at mm-hmm. the time when like chicago or illinois was still like a, a tax incentive place that they could actually you know hollywood can still go there before they realized that they right. were just going to film everything in atlanta and new orleans and um and so you know at this time it was really exciting because i was i had just moved to to chicago from south florida and I remember them filming this, like around in the suburbs and all. I mean, like my girlfriend at the time, her high school was used for this movie. And so there was it was really interesting to see, you know a lot of like more localized areas. So when I heard about that, they're actually shooting in these rural areas and the actual, you know, granted yeah. it's not Ohio. Like, you know, it should be, but it's still the Midwest and it's not California, which is the original one shot in Pasadena and there are little palm trees everywhere. And it's supposed to be Ohio, but okay. Um, so I was excited <laughs> about that, but like, yeah, you're right, Mac. There is no lived in feel of this. This literally looks like they walked onto like the sets for like a half dozen CW shows. And maybe I'm only saying yeah. that because, half a dozen CW actors are in this. But, right.
3: um, yeah. I would uh, <laughs> say that I, I think at the time this movie was made that the CW was not making very quality content, but any listeners um the cw makes very good shows right now so. i agree i agree <laughs> I'm yeah. just throw that out there.
0: <laughs> and hey i'm a lifetime uh not lifetime but a long time uh subscriber to the wb channel because i grew up watching uh, <laughs> oh, dawson's yeah. creek buffy the vampire yep. slayer and i watched every episode of smallville from beginning to end, so and <laughs> yeah. so did you? same Mac. here same here yeah and, so uh, you
1: know i love and, the flash is yeah it's not not to knock that it's very aesthetic. pretty though but yeah. for this nightmare it, it, it's film, it's it feels strange. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. because so much of the script is grounded in some kind of dirty reality, but it's just such a clean film.
0: Yeah, and I and I think a lot of it also goes down to I mean, like Trace, I know you said, you're saying like the the Texas, you know, remake does feel gritty, you know, and it's it feels grimy and you do want to take a shower. But I think like for the most part, the platinum dunes aesthetic, because we need to talk about platinum dunes, because platinum yeah. dunes for the most part were Pretty much owning horror throughout the 2010 like throughout the dots the, the early odds mm-hmm. and like they i mean if you look at their blockbuster you know their box office they're you know they're pretty good i mean like texas chainsaw in 20, 2003 made 107 million on a nine million dollar budget that's insane 108 million for amityville horror for 19 million The fucking prequel for Texas Chainsaw: Beginning made fifty-two million on a a sixteen million dollar budget. Like these were making a ton of money on nothing, and you know, and there were also events. Like when the when the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in two thousand three, that was a fucking event. Like I remember everyone was saying, like, "Oh, did you see the remake? Did you see it came back? Like, and it's so brutal." And I will say, like, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is brutal, and and I think that you know, you could make the but same sh- argument and- for Amityville. You can make the same argument for Friday the 13th. I don't know yeah. if you can make the same argument with a nightmare on Elm street here. I don't well, think it's as brutal. Like, but, but... but
3: that's all, that's also a marketing thing though, because I, I don't know if y'all remember the trailer for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, but that in my opinion is possibly one of the best trailers for a horror movie that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that is not hyperbole. It's just really, really good. Is that good. the one
0: thing where you had the camera like, whing? yes.
3: Yeah. yeah. And, and like, it's, a, it's, a, it's like culminates in like, like a super cut of like a bunch of chainsaw shit happening. Um, but yeah, it's it's. They, they had their formula down on how mm-hmm. to make this successful. I think Amityville was somewhat less like, because again, I feel like that's another one that people like forget exists. Yes. They um, do. Yeah. And it and it, it gets shit on a lot, but I think the Amityville makes fine because it's, I like, like it. It's remaking a movie that in my opinion, isn't, one of the better, like original horror films to come out in the seventies. There's room for Mm. improvement there. Yeah. 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 It
0: does. It hasn't aged well because a lot of the things that they actually set in motion have now been like hallmarked to death by every ghost movie that has come out in the last 10 years. But I do remember not to go off too much on a tangent, but I do remember like there's a scene with the bathroom in Amityville that literally sent me like, like out the, out of my chair because I just was, I could not, I could not stop thinking about it. And also Ryan Reynolds is just goes all in on the movie. Like yeah. Yeah. He, he's amazing. He really good in it. Yeah. He does. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really but, like that movie. A lot. But I think you could boil down pretty much every Platinum Dunes remake to sleek, sexy, and sensational. And that's kind mm-hmm. of like the yeah. three things I would say. Like even the Texas chainsaw, as dirty as it gets, the the entire cast is just drop dead gorgeous. Like yeah. I mean, even even like the 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 nerdier guy who I believe is in uh, the Jonathan Tucker remake. yeah yeah oh no Jonathan Tucker he was in I believe hundred girls I think it was um and like and also the ruins I believe but yeah, he's a- um, Yes, he was and I love him to death and that's supposed to be their quote unquote like nerdy weird guy and I'm like no that guy's fucking gorgeous also like everyone's fucking gorgeous in this movie and like the only thing that's really ugly. Are the more sensational stuff that you see, like you know the 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 um the large woman in you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and they oh, they, my, they my, go my, 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 exactly my. they go at great lengths <laughs> to show just how gross those things are. But every but it's always contrasted against like really gorgeous people and. That's kind think, of the problem I have with this movie, too. I, I was going to
1: say, I think this discussion is exactly what's the issue here. So, we've yeah. been talking for like 10, 15 minutes now about other movies. Yeah. <laughs>
3: like, you know, yeah. Like... Well, but, but and to be fair, though, like, I, 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 those movies are better. Like, mm-hmm. Amityville may not be great, but, like, it's a solid movie. And, like, I feel like, again, like, like you said, Mac, uh, it, it's there's room for improvement. Yeah. Thanks, Chainsaw is just a very, again, I know it's contentious because some people don't like it because the original held in such high regard, but that's a, a really, really, really effective remake to me. I and it, yeah, like we said, like I'm, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but yeah, this is just forgettable.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was written by originally Wesley Strick, who has Cape Fear actually to his name. So, he, you know, yeah. was associated with Martin Scorsese. Um, but then it was, you know, Eric Heiszer who was brought in Um. and Basically, based on your interview, Trace, I mean, you you, you can extrapolate mm-hmm. on this, like, apparently had like a list of demands that the producers wanted <laughs> for this movie. And yeah. yeah, if you want to go off on, on, on that a little bit, because it seems like his, I don't even know if his original draft actually even made it to production.
3: I mean, based it- on what he was saying in the... Yeah, it doesn't sound like it, because the story credit is to Wesley Strick. Um, but Eric Heiser, and he had gone through, um, I think right after this, he did the Thing prequel remake, which oh boy, yeah. uh, he, I think he also, I think he had a better time on that one, because I think the issues of that movie were more in the post-production than they mm-hmm. were the actual like filming of the movie. But, you know, then he goes on to write Lights Out, Final Destination 5, which is one of the best sequels in that franchise, Yeah, I agree. And, and Arrival, which is, like, one of the best movies to come out this decade. But mm-hmm. with this one, it was his first major screenwriting credit, and basically the way he 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 was mostly candid in the interview i had but i remember i after i um got off the phone with him and like it was like a day later his representative contacted me and was like hey can he read your article because i think he realized he said some things that might have been like not kosher and i was like yeah sure like just it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah um but they were trying to make to like hit the 25th anniversary for the original so they like i think they had the idea like a year like in 2000 eight and the twentieth anniversary would have been in 09. So they rushed this thing into production. <clears throat> um, but um he basically is like, he, he said I was under a lot of pressure. I also had some fairly direct orders of the shape of the story that the producers wanted and I had to follow within those lines. Um, and he basically goes, you know, this is the case where it seemed like the producers knew what they wanted and and my job was to was to at that point was to try to deliver the best version of some of, of that that I, that I could, something that I believed in. But then I asked him, you know, well, cool, like what from your script made it into the final cut? And he goes, uh, just about nothing.
1: <laughs> Jeez.
0: Because uh, he decides uh, that he went to like a set visit and like, he's like, this isn't in the script. What the fuck is going well, on?
3: It's just, oh, uh, God. I think this is what I think this is probably what he was most concerned about saying. But he basically said that the director, Samuel Bayer, um, he would like they'd be filming something and he'd see something like in Illinois and be like, oh, I like that location. Let's go film something there. And he would just like make a scene that wasn't in the script just because it fit his idea of what he liked the look of the location. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. It's just something
4: you can do in a music video, you know? Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, exactly.
4: And for to get like the feeling of the atmosphere, you know. But it doesn't work if it doesn't make sense in your movie.
0: Yeah. And and what and that's one of the things I, I will say about this, and maybe it's just because it's so much of the film is like at night, but I almost feel like they are in just like this abyss, like like that. You know that scene in um in the Mouth of Madness, John Carpenter's in the Mouth of Madness, when like they mm-hmm. they drive into the town and you see the kid on the bike. I just feel like that's the town of like Springwood here. <laughs> it's like you never see anything in this movie. Like you see st- mm-hmm. interiors, interiors, interiors. Anytime they're outside, it's like fucking. Yeah totally dark or in the middle of the day, you know, like you get to see like the funeral, I guess like that's in the middle of the day, but like, it just seems so different for
1: a minute. But I felt I did feel the same way. Yeah. It's like, what town are they in? I mean, it doesn't do we, feel like a real town. No, no,
0: it was. Yeah. It it actually reminds me of like the new <laughs> creep show episodes where everything is just interior sets and they literally are just, you, you have like, you have this assumption that it's in this small town, but you never really see it. And I don't know. I mean,
1: that I, was something that I also had to, not an issue with but I started taking a step back thinking, am I just out of touch? Is this is this really what it's like to be in high school now? Are these like how the kids are, you know? Because when you watch the original Nightmare just the kind of palling around camaraderie uh, just those opening sequences when they're walking into the school or whatever it is but in this it's just starting right in that diner where everyone's just everyone's like not talking to each other yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. even the friends that are hanging out don't seem to like each other so it's just very dissonant and and well, strange
4: like uh, like how are you uh, supposed to uh, like any
1: of these people right out the gate there's everyone's just kind of a loner yeah they're <laughs> it's right. weird.
3: They, because they, they put the first scene of the movie is all of them at this diner because apparently <laughs> the diner is a cool hangout for all of them, and it's like, but you know, the, I guess maybe we'll talk about it with the movie going into the plot of it, but yeah. but it's like you know, the, all these kids did know each other, but they got collective, you know, repressed memories apparently all of them, and. So where they are in the first scene is like they've all known each other just in high school, but mm-hmm. like there's kind of that relationship drama between the Thomas Decker character and the Katie Cassidy character because she mm-hmm. broke up with him to be with Kellen Lutz, and it really comes to nothing. But yeah, yeah. like e- even um Kyle Gallner's Quentin when he like it when he kind of pairs off with Nancy, it's. It, It's very much like, okay, why though? Like, even the first scene, like, they don't seem to really know each other that well. Right. That's, I'll go for it, Jen.
4: Well, I was just going to say, it always seems like they are meeting each other for the first time when they have an, a scene Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, they
4: never have no chemistry. We don't ever see them have fun with each other, which is something that I loved about the first one. Because, like, even the dumb, like, sound effects machine with Johnny Depp in the first one, <laughs> like, that makes you like these characters more. And it's just so dour from the beginning.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. go for it. I was just gonna say, I, 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 you know, you, you, we're immediately comparing it to the original, which, I, when it comes to remixes, it's something I try not to do because it's like, you know, you have to take it on its own terms. But the problem is, this movie doesn't let you do that because it not keeps. It. It keeps homaging things from the original and like how it introduces clever ideas, but then drops them immediately. It will start to homage a scene or a shot from the original, but then like not follow through with it. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. finish the scene and it just, it feels very incomplete. I
1: I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that's, I think that is the main problem with remakes. If you're going to remake it, remake it don't just try to play on the heartstrings of fans that are longing to see you know the the glove come out of the bathtub yeah. and then there's no delivery because you're just constantly reminded of a property you do love and then everything that everything else is are things that aren't earning it or you don't like it I agree <laughs> so and that's very strange that's honestly what I had you're setting the, yourself up for failure
0: well it, it exactly and I think that's kind of why I had a problem last year with like even like Halloween like 2018 is because they kept doing these yeah. little hallmarks and you're like mm-hmm. oh I recognize uh, that movies and they, they said and it's just like well, what the hell's the point of that you know yeah. and what that's
3: I, doing? I know y'all weren't I know y'all weren't big fans of Halloween 2 uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 but and I just rewatched the whole franchise last weekend and yeah. I was surprised at how much more Hol- Zombies Halloween 2 like raised in my ranking because I was like this feels like his movie whereas the first one it's you can tell it's a compromised vision totally because, and you 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 know, it's like the last 45 minutes is the entire original movie in 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And at least with Halloween 2, while it's not wholly successful, it tries to do it is something different. and It is something unique. And I appreciate it for that. And this one, even more so than Zombies Halloween is still trying to make you remember the original. And it's like, don't do that. Don't don't do that in your remake.
0: Well, I mean, we could talk about the story here too, because I think that's, that falls under the screenplay. So Mm -hmm. like, I think one of the things I I do appreciate here are the little things that I know did get through, um, you know, uh, from, uh, Hesner, like the idea of the micro naps. I like that. That was really cool. That's a cool introduction here. It's a really neat motif. um, and I also like the idea that they even did some science, like, you know, with with, uh, with the, when Jesse's death when they s- talks about like, oh, your brain activity is for seven more minutes. But as you're joking, mm-hmm. Mac, like they don't do anything with it. Like, it's yeah, just like, it's yeah. so, I mean, the micro naps, they really do a good job using to kind of lean into like the past a little bit and try to play with like the setting and playing with the special effects and that, and like in terms of cgi that 's pretty much more, the most effective use of it is when they 're like trying to ma- mess around with the worlds and everything to kind of show the the past, but in yeah. conjunction with the past, the one thing I will say that does try to do something different than the first one. The first one teases the idea of finding out like what Freddie did and like the kids realizing <laughs> that, but it doesn't get to like the degree or the level of detail that this one does. Like this one actually unwinds into some sort of like murder mystery in a way, like a murster- mystery but that, in a way. But it doesn't. That like,
1: is also a huge problem I have with this film. But we'll talk about it. Well, yeah. well my, my my problem <laughs> is is
0: that you they set themselves up for doing something really different, which is making Freddie this innocent person. And then right. they 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 use it only as like a a stupid twist that we already know because we've already seen the the, the franchise so it's it just seems as if they it, they a, corrupted that as well I mean pointless
1: well, mystery
3: <laughs> well no and also because it's kind of ruined anyway so you know they, they bring up the idea that he might be innocent very late into the film when mm-hmm. Kyle Garner's character is like you know we were five we would have said anything <clears throat> but the problem also so is that we've already to,
1: so quick yeah. to dismiss it so weird
3: yeah but yeah. we've also already seen a visual of young Katie Cassidy with claw marks on her back and it's Mm-hmm. Like, like we've already seen that. So we know he—if he's not molesting them, he has at least hurt them. And also, wouldn't she have scars from that? Like, what? It, 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 they have these <laughs> yeah. repressed memories. Like, wouldn't she have that on her back and be like, "Huh, where did these come from?"
4: I think it, it just caught her dress. <laughs> <laughs> Very like strongly woven fabric. No, and the parents
3: kept all of these things when they were finding <laughs> like, they're they're in the attic finding this shit. And I'm like, why did you keep these things? I like, know. why wouldn't you get rid of that? And you know, also, like,
1: favorite one of my favorite moments is when Connie Britton's telling. Her daughter the story and in in the course of telling her the story about who fred krueger is she she thinks it's important to tell her that she that nancy was, was his her favorite, favorite. yeah uh, i'm like why would you tell your daughter that that's even with, more creepy and like, yeah. unsettling like you could just give her the cold facts but don't like go into the well, details like jesus yeah
3: the line is really weird, too, because she's, like, you know, doing flashback voice. And then she's like, and Nancy, you were his favorite of all. And I'm like, that's a really weird, <laughs> so weird. line.
0: Um, there are a lot and, of weird uh, lines there, too, because so much of it is exposition.
3: Yeah. And apparently the doubt and, like, the, the reveal that he was guilty is our Wesley Strix ideas. That wasn't something that Heisera brought into the equation. Mm. Um but but I think High like the micro naps were mostly his. But like mm. he was even like yeah they kind of fucked with my micro micronap story. Like the, I think the pharmacy sequence is actually pretty decent. Um, I agree. Where, like, I agree. How handles the micro naps, but then afterwards when they're in the car, it, like, you know, appears and they crash the car. Apparently in the original draft, they have Freddie appear in the and like gore the fuck out of Nancy. But and then he wakes up and crashes the car. Um, so, but then they traded out for this really boring, like, oh, boogeyman's in the street, crash the car.
0: Yeah. Which is just, uh, I don't know that it just seems as if like, again, they're pulling their punches every time they can. I mean, just think of it. We do this a lot on this podcast where we kind of just like play producer and, and, you know, kick around (laughs) ideas of like how they could have made this better, but like how much more effective and how much more would we have been talking about this movie if it had been like the twist that Freddie was actually like innocent. And then actually the kids turn around and start killing their parents for him or something like that. Like something a little bit more different. Like that is the real nightmare on Elm Street. Like, holy shit. Like he's getting revenge through these kids. And and that's where
1: that mystery fails is because as soon as as soon as they start turning on the parents and and, you know, Quentin's like, you know, that we would have said anything, you know, you killed an innocent man. I still don't understand why they even give a shit. He's still going after them and killing their friends. Mm-hmm. So even if he is innocent, he's still trying to murder them. Yeah. And well, even <laughs> even when they start to try to figure out the mystery, he doesn't like go, oh, you guys are trying, you guys believe me? Oh, okay, cool. I'll just go after the parents. Like, why is he going after the kids? It doesn't It's like so bizarre. Like, well, who cares no, because, to prove because, him because, innocent? Because...
3: Because if he was innocent, then it means these little kids lied. And granted, yeah, they were five years old. And I, I think pe- there are some people that like hate even the idea of like positing Freddy as an innocent man. But here's the thing. And, and to answer your question, Michael, had they done that, I don't know if it would have been successful, but it would have been more memorable. It exactly. would have been something yeah. where you're like, oh, that's you know what? I don't like it, but it's it's something that you can talk about with this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's even like the set pieces, you know, like the, the nightmares aren't memorable in this movie like there's no set minus the blood hallway which i think is a very effective scene mm-hmm. there's nothing that's like stands out as a set piece but if you had done that with the plot and made freddie innocent or at least dragged that mystery out or like introduce that mystery earlier in the film and made it like go make that be the focus of your story that would have been something and this movie chooses not to do that i remember
0: that was the first thing we talked about when we walked out of the theater i think kaffrey even said it was like man i really wish they would have made a innocent. i think that would have like done something interesting with the story because i think that's why we didn't really have too much vitriol after watching this because it,
1: it is so like
0: oh huh. okay
1: neat yeah. i don't ever uh, want to think I, about this ever i agree again, that it would have been more memorable but it. it... I think, in terms of trying to build a new franchise, it kind of kills it because if you're just rooting for Freddie then and he's only going out if he knows that he's innocent and maybe these kids lied about it, whatever, I, I just feel it's, it's weird like oh you're gonna you're gonna hold this against like four year olds and five year olds yeah, well that and, and then on, on top of that, like why that that apparently you loved, yeah, so like that seems strange and then. Uh, if you go to kill the parents, they're just they're dead, and that's it. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like because in, in
0: the, th- the thing is like this didn't create a franchise, so it's almost, it's just more in hindsight. Like, oh well, yeah. in hindsight, if they were this was just going to be a one-off. I wish it was if they would have gone that route, you know, to do well, something, but. You know, but
3: that's that's the thing though, because like, y'all y'all are thinking about this in terms of hey, a sequel is going to look like something of what we're expecting from a Nightmare sequel. But had they made it innocent, the the sequel could have been something entire. It would have been like Zombies Halloween Two, or yeah. something entirely different that's not what you would expect from a Nightmare film. Again, it may not have been good, but it would have been something totally different, and honestly, kind of interesting to see what, mm-hmm. what would have happened from that. And I, I,
1: I would have loved, I would have liked to see that because I agree. I even though I don't like how Hall- Zombies Halloween Two, I do agree that, and we gave it credit for at least do it trying to do something different at the time I don't think Mm -hmm. that I was I could see that at the time I was just like this is garbage but going back and rewatching it I was like you know I don't like this but at least he tried to do something completely different but that's the problem when you have the studio there they are so scared shitless of doing anything that isn't remotely resemble the property that's made billions of dollars over mm-hmm. the last whatever you know i mean you look at star wars it's the same thing yeah. like they're so intrinsically tied to the original trilogy and even, I, you know I, I dig star wars i'm a big star wars fan and you know what? i'm gonna go see rise of Skywalker and i'm probably gonna enjoy it <laughs> but i can sit here and say oh yeah the emperor is in this okay yeah it's that seems i mean they're they're convenient. mirroring these movies because yeah. they're so scared to take a chance uh it, it, it baffles me because usually when you do take a chance at least you have the the the, the the remote possibility of doing something like fun, new yeah. and jumping off uh, having a jumping off point. But if you just try to rest on your laurels, it's going to most likely fail. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies like that, I didn't love that either, but I, I, it was, it felt like it felt like a remake worthy of sequels. And yeah. it did have sequels. Yeah.
0: This is just, I actually like this, the sequel all the prequel, I guess
3: it is, but yeah. I, I actually oh, like the, that. Oh, you, you mentioned Wait, how the, the beginning. Original. Well, yeah, as you mentioned how the remake is brutal, and it's actually, like, the remake is brutal, but it's actually, like, not as gory as you remember it being, but then the beginning it's insane. is insanely yeah. gory. It yeah. is nuts.
0: I saw that in theaters and remember just feeling like I need to get a fucking drink after this because it's, yeah. just, it's brutal.
3: Um, <laughs> oh, Matt Bomer's death is nuts in that movie. <laughs>
0: yeah, seriously. And then even, like, Lee Turgenton, I mean, there's just a lot of shit in that movie that just gets dark, but one thing I will bring up that I thought was really interesting in your interview uh trace is that mm-hmm. i guess new line it like considered it a sequel like it said like you know that's why you'll maybe see like story by wesley strick and not story by wes craven in the credits and so maybe there's like this idea that they were trying to get out of craven paying for money because craven wasn't a creative consultant in this at all and i don't think he mm-hmm. would have right. been anyway if he was asked but like that is interesting to think that like new line would maybe consider this a sequel because if you think about it like all the characters are totally Different names. I mean, it's not like they have yeah. the, the same the thing. Answer, but yeah. you're literally working. strange too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're literally working with a new origin story, so it, that doesn't really work. Um, well
4: and if you're looking at who these characters are from the beginning story, one of the things I think they did that was really interesting is that these kids who are the teenagers now were the original victims in Freddy's original crime, <laughs> which
3: right, right
4: and that's one of the things that I really liked the seed of but they did not flesh out was this whole theme of like repression yeah. and he wasn't a child murderer he was a molester and I know they were originally going to do that in the first movie but interestingly the satanic panic daycare trial was going on which um the major theme of that story now is they believed children when they shouldn't so when they shouldn't have not that children are liars and you shouldn't believe them but that there was a lot of coercion about the statement but yeah so I think it's interesting thing that they pulled up that maybe he really was innocent and but it just comes so late in the film and i don't think they did enough with it also we just watched Freddie be like a super creepy molester for an hour so oh, there was yeah, no part yeah. of me that was like oh maybe he really was the victim Yeah. but i think they are looking at it as like they're trying to uncover their repressed memories the way that i kind of read it was these kids want to latch on to this idea that maybe this terrible thing didn't actually happen to mm-hmm. them. And maybe the the real villain is their parents who were telling them this because that would allow them to believe that it hadn't happened and to keep those memories repressed. Well,
2: and also, I like, like that, yeah.
3: I, I, and I'm not against making him a molester. Like, I mean, I I know, but 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 it makes his final confrontation with Nancy when like he has her on the bed. It makes it v- uncomfortable, but not in a way that I w- I liked. If that makes yeah. any sense. I, I thought for sure he was going to stick his glove of her glove of her vagina. Like I thought for sure that's what was going to happen. And then. It, I mean not that I wanted to see that mind you yeah yeah but on uh,
1: now <laughs> it,
3: it makes all of his dialogue when he's talking to her when he's teasing her it makes it just kind of gross, but not in a way that I feel like is how a horror movie should make you feel no and and,
0: and honestly, I have a lot of thoughts tied to uh, Freddie's role in this that are right on the money with this type of stuff what we're discussing right here um because I think that the narrative actually does help um the performance that you know Healy does uh, for this because mm-hmm. it makes him a manipulator, you know, and and he does act like uh, an a, an offender would in those the you know in those positions um, in a way that. Wasn't the case with Robert England's portrayal at all. Like when he makes these one-liners and he makes these things, you know, these, these assessments, uh, to the, about the kids and all these other things, like they come from a place that is truly dark where I never really bought that sort of darkness as much, like as, from a, from a reality standpoint, like when I'm lo- looking at this, like I'm thinking of like real world. Like you know, like molestation and assault in ways that I didn't when I watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street. There was like some sort of like coded well, uh, atmosphere to it that that kind of created created some like necessary cognitive dissonance because like obviously this is like dark material that you're discussing, right. and I feel like this one absolutely kind of sinks its teeth into that in ways that the original series never did. And so, the original you
1: know. series couldn't. I mean, at the oh, at the time, I mean, we covered yeah. that, but yeah.
0: Like this, Freddy, I could never you, see it, it, having the MTV turn at all.
1: No, like, absolutely no. not. And that's, no. and, but that's also kind of the issue with this movie is when you're dealing with something like that, that's very sensitive and, mm-hmm. and very real. And people, not that murder's not real, but I, I feel like how do you walk that line and and do that justice? Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 tough. It makes mm-hmm. it. It doesn't make it a fun horror film to watch. That's what Friday the Thirteenth always just going to be a fun time. Because it's just he's just killing people, yeah, for for yeah. really essentially no reason. Except no reason whatsoever. They just happen to be by the lake at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but when you're dealing with heavy themes like this, there's a lot more riding on the shoulders of the of the movie. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take good care of that, and, and I'm also not a fan of fleshing out the uh, serial killer in the first film. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there's so many flashback yeah. sequences where you like really get to see him before he becomes Freddy, and it's like. I don't want to humanize the murder of this franchise in, in, in the first episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it well, doesn't – doesn't, it makes it less scary. And they also have that great moment, which is very much like in 2018's Halloween when Michael finds the mask. Yes. And it's this big slow-mo moment of him putting the mask on where he <laughs> rips off the the jacket. And yeah. He's wearing the green and dirty red sweater. Under the, mm-hmm. And it's just like, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you and doing I- here?
3: Even from a logic uh, perspective, like, um, so the big flashback scene where we do get to see the parents kill Freddie, that's Quentin's nightmare. Mm-hmm. And Quentin was not present for that. No. And I, I I, I, maybe like I mean I guess really Freddie has control over what the kids are dreaming, but then it's also kind of like, well, why are you showing him this? Like, well, that's well, you know, and I, I have I, reasons for that also. Though. Yeah, like, I was gonna say you,
0: because go he, he's manipulating them, and like, oh, right. and that's something that like I feel like someone that what that would be, you know, uh, you know, a molester or you know, a, an offender, a sexual offender, they want to distort those facts, and so they want to. I mean, like you're thinking about like you know meddling with kids and, and messing with their you know, the past, like they, they want to have that sort of st- like so, that's that sovereignty over them to be able to ha- to dictate the narrative in a way. And I, so I, in, mm-hmm. in that sense, I did like that when you actually think about it in hindsight of what it does for Freddie, yeah, but you know,
1: but also my problem with that whole sequence is <laughs> so many problems with this movie. Why, <laughs> why I understand that later on, later on in the film, he has that great line where he says, your memories are what fuels me, uh, which, Okay. If that's the case, then that's I can understand him. him. I can understand him trying to get them to remember the actual like molestation or the 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 hurting of them or whatever it is. But he draws it out so much and tries to tie it so much in the idea that he didn't do those things. It's like, well then if you're trying to make it seem like you're innocent, they're not going to remember that you actually did these things. So if you're trying to get them to remember <laughs> that you did do these things, why are you leading them astray? And why are you mm. showing Quentin this this? Sequence of the of the parents killing him. Like, what does that do? If you're if if what right. fuels you is if what really fuels you and brings you back into existence is the idea that they remember that you did these awful things. Why are you trying to get them to not think? That I guess that? they're like, trying. To, I guess the argument
0: you're... would be that they like kind of what we already hinted at before is that they're trying to absolve themselves of this darkness. Maybe, but, and but, I don't think they do that a would good make job in if, showing that sort of. That reasoning. would make
1: sense if they were if they in their in their memories they were forcing their own kind of versions of things mm-hmm. into existence and Freddie was like slashing them apart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I, they were like tr- having these good memories. I thought we were gonna see a sequence where all the he brought all the kids to that diner and that's why they keep frequenting it and they don't remember it. But that's <laughs> no, why they keep it's going. Just, it's there. just the cool spot then, in town to hang out. Yeah, around. no. And I know it's, it's kind of a it's a bit It is Riverdale. And, oh like, yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Yeah it's Riverdale. Absolutely. <laughs> but I will say that it it is it does kind of remind me of the diner in four and five, you know, Alice's Square Alice, mm-hmm. where Alice yeah. works. And like yeah. I know maybe that's like a little nod to that, but <laughs> Ultimately, it, he you don't ever see you don't ever see them forcing the good memories of Fred. Do you know what I mean? Like if they're like, their memories were these memories where they were trying to just pretend like he he was this nice person, but then there's just a twinge of something awful and then they like wake up that would be really like that would be cool but they don't do it you know like (laughs) if he's
0: like hey guys why don't you guys watch this copy of like little giants or something like that like (laughs) I'm gonna go over here and you know and like oh this is a fun out rainy afternoon but then you see something in the background they're like oh
1: I you know but but in my dream he (laughs) tried to get us to watch the big green (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> and here's the thing, too, because yeah. we, we don't – like, I, I don't like Freddy's dead very much. But at least in those flashbacks we get of him, like, he's very clearly evil. Yeah. And I get that, like, we don't see that in any of, like, pre-burn Freddy. Like, he's always this very nice, sweet man. And I guess you could argue, oh, well, that's what Freddy's projecting. That's how he views himself. But because they try to keep this mystery alive of, you know, oh, did he not do it? Like, I, I think maybe we're – it robs the film of something that we don't get to see him be evil or be – violent towards these children before he gets burned or at least even show us that like after it's revealed that he really was guilty, like show him be have like a sinister streak because everything we see before that is just this happy, you know, uh, uh, what's the gardener in Simpsons? Oh, uh, <laughs> like groundskeeper Willie. Willie. Yeah, this happy groundskeeper Willie person. Mm.
0: Yeah, which is funny because they uh, they uh, they do a homage to Freddy uh, or Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. and um my favorite uh, Treehouse of Horror actually. They um, don't yeah. want
4: to like pay for the free doorknob repair that and that's what does him in. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before
1: we move on <laughs> to the next. Oh, sorry, sorry, gotcha.
4: Well I was going to say I think when I was watching it I kind of was like are they trying to do some kind of ring thing or they're like trying to get Samara out of the well and like vindicate and like release him of mm-hmm. this thing maybe that's what the producers had in mind or um but it just never went anywhere and no. I felt like it just kind of got shoved in and there were so many things they could have done with all of these stories but not together like they don't work if you try to put them into the same story you've got to yeah. either Choose or go like go all in on one,
0: and because of that, all the actionable items for the protagonists are like murky at best. Like, you're mm-hmm. always just like, Oh, what are they doing? Like, there's no real agency to what they're really
3: yeah. doing. And yeah, no, a- agency is exactly what I was gonna say.
0: <laughs> like, and there's no tension tied to it, so you're just kind of like constantly just going from like one sequence to another until you're like, All right, where is this gonna resolve to? Uh, anyway, but look, we've talked a lot about Freddy. <laughs> Um, and we have a section devoted to Freddy But before we get to Freddy I'm hearing some music Oh Carlos Lend me your ear there's not a lot of talk about with the music. I like the inch in the inclusion of the Everly brothers. They're one of my uh, favorite bands growing up and just, I love fifties aesthetics matched with dreamy elements. I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a Lynchian at, at heart. Yeah, so, say, um, but Steve, L- Steve Javonsky's score who actually has done some great stuff. Like I like, I actually really liked his uh, collaborations with explosions in the sky for like lone survivor. Um, he's got some great, uh, you know, pieces in the past, but like,
1: I, well here's the thing well, with Jablonski like I the scores the scores fine mm-hmm. but this he's also responsible for the Texas remake the Hitcher remake the Amityville mm. Horror remake, and Friday the 13th year before w- w- if you're trying to set this apart it, that that's not my problem is that if you're trying to bring these franchises back the reason we all go to them is because they all serve something completely different. Mm-hmm. But if you have the same company doing all of them and the same score, the same—you know—they all feel like they all could be exist in the same reality. And maybe if they did a big team-up thing or something at some point, well, that's crazy, its time. Is they had all these rights to do that it, and they never did. And, so. and, and that's another thing, though, is that it just doesn't—they don't feel. Like their their own franchise, they no. just feel like oh, it's it feels like the Doom's same directors doing every single one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I don't like that. I don't like that. Well, I, I think there's well,
0: that, that. That's an economical decision at a time that they weren't really trying to strive for that singularity. I mean, look, you look at like how horror is being produced today versus ten years ago. And you have, like, the Jason Blums who are, like, so insistent on trying to go back to the source material, which is great. I mean, obviously, there's some sort of capitalization purposes for that, too, because you could bank on nostalgia with that realm. But at the same time, there is some sort of insistency to try to do something different with... You know whatever IP you're attacking now these days. Like I feel like they, you know, they might be, you know, redundant and redoubling a little bit on the past, a little bit too much. Like we've seen with like Force Awakens or Halloween. But there still is that sort of like insistency to like be you know reverent to what came before. And by that nature, they do stand out for its singularity purposes. With this. Yeah, I think that it was strictly just like an economical thing, like, hey, we got Steve on that the uh, uh Texas oh, yeah. one. He all right, let's about bring him back. Uh, yeah. hey Steve, you're, well, you you know you can sign up? I thought it was
3: really interesting though, because he also did all the Transformers films, like all the scores for that. <laughs> yeah, so he's but, definitely yeah. those memorable guy. scores. Yeah. But the the one the one thing from his, his oeuvre that I thought was really interesting was he did a lot of the music for Desperate Housewives for all seven or eight seasons of that. <laughs> and <laughs> then he moves into like Michael Bayland and yeah. all these horror remakes. And I'm like, I, the, they do make the mistake of, of course, playing the original theme during yeah. the title card for this movie. Yeah. Um, I do think his main title track is fine that plays over the opening credits. Um, it has like airs of the original theme, but like it is it is still its own thing. But the problem is, yeah, there, there's no catchy melody there. Yeah. Um, but honestly, outside of that main title track, I couldn't tell you any music that plays over know, any 70s no. of this film. And, mm-hmm.
1: you know, they, they lean on the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. But again, that's just so reminiscent of the original. That's and Charles it's Bernstein only remembers, Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> it's just, they, again, they, leaning way too hard on the original for, for nostalgia's sake.
3: Yeah. They also try to give you a reason as to why that nurse rhyme exists because he played hide-and-seek <laughs> yeah. with the kids. But But then it's like, well... Okay, you're playing hide and seek. But why are you going to grab your crucifix during a game of hide and seek? <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: It's so the, the whole reasoning for that. I remember I jotted something down about that this morning, being like, "What the fuck was the point of that?" I, I don't know. I I want to. I, I kind of want to get to the next section because yeah, we're having yeah, a really yeah. good discussion about Freddy. Yeah. So, do, yeah. do we mind if we move on from no, the music? No, no. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. One,
2: two
4: Five, six, grab your Seven, eight, come
2: say up late. Nine, ten, 10: sleep we so We're
0: back talking Freddie, uh, because that's what we really wanted to do. Uh, sorry, no you know, no shade, uh, Javonsky. But um, as we mentioned before, Jackie Earl Healy, he's playing Freddy here. Pretty much got the role because he's playing a, a crazy pedophile in Little Women, uh, little not Little, little Children. Uh, little little children. children. Oh, and
3: he's, he's so good in that. He's movie. He's great yeah. in that movie. Yeah, he's and great. I think he was nominated for that Wait, film. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Can you imagine though a world where there's a pedophile in Little Women? I know, right? <laughs> like, what if <laughs> Timothy Chalamet,
0: Chalamet is going to be a, a pedophile in Greta Gerwig's uh, remake? Literally? Yes, oh, God, um, bring him bail back. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> so basically, what happened with, with 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 Healy, which is interesting, is that. Um, you know, he had a real big hot streak around this time because, you know, obviously, yeah. obviously, little children got him um, some more, you know, notoriety again. Because, I mean, he goes back to like he was in Bad News Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, he he is the bad boy in that movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a kid, I thought he was the coolest kid ever. Um, with Tatum O'Neill. But um, he, you know, he this is hot off of doing uh, Rorschach also from Watchmen, and apparently, <laughs> the producers got the screen test from Watchmen, and were like. Uh, yeah, we need to get Healy, and and so I don't he,
1: think I, I have no problem with them casting. Yeah, I actually Jack was really Euro excited when I heard that he got casted for this. He's a great actor. Yeah, I was too. And he's got a great voice. And uh, you know, no one's Robert Englund, but you gotta at some point you gotta step away and you know well, cast someone else. And I, that, so I was fine with them casting him. Mm-hmm.
3: That's at least, though, again, I think a wise choice the movie makes is it makes this Freddy a different Freddy. This yeah. isn't the same one. I mean, I guess really he's kind of closer to what he was in the original film. Um, but my my only issue is that like I, and maybe it's because like this came out so close to Watchmen, which is 2009. But this just feels like a burned Rorschach. <laughs> it times, occasionally, yeah.
0: It, it also really reminds me of and I, I this is where I wrote in the notes. Let me get this real quick. Um I said the Betrayal remi- reminds me of Bale's Batman from Batman Begins. Because he's just like, oh, his yeah. one-liners are so, rawr, like, rawr. nope, <laughs> just me. And then he's just like, look at me, at one point. And he's even got, like, the kind of mush mouth thing that Bale does in that first Batman Begins. Well, that's um, also
1: an issue. Is I felt like the entire, I felt like all of his dialogue was dubbed into it. And yes. it felt like it was coming through as a narrator. And that's the whole Rorschach thing. Yeah. So you're just like... It's, it's like so who, straight, like he couldn't speak in the mask correctly, <laughs> so they had to go back. it it just sounds phoned in. It's so so, so, so bizarre. yeah, his reveal is there's just there's no ceremony, which normally I would applaud that kind of introduction, right, but you see him so cleanly and clearly mm-hmm. when you do first really see him. It's just it's he's not in the shower. he's not in the it's just not scary. Well, it's funny because Robert England's quote, like Robert England,
0: really supported his decision. And based on the, what I can read in some of the production, like I feel like they actually approached Robert England to come back, um, and he said like, "No, I'm done with it." <laughs> Fuck um, that, you know. So, but his quote is actually really nice. He's like, "I'm going to do my best Robert England impersonation." No, Jackie's not big, and I think that Jackie's size is going to really work. Uh, One of the one of the metaphors I've used for (laughs) Freddie is is a little rabid dog that just bites your ankle and holds on. And 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 I think that Jackie brings that with his own physicality to the role without without ever having to work on it a little bit. And uh, sorry, I got to go. Mario Bava is uh, uh, calling (laughs) me right now. Tea (laughs) with Mario Bava in Italy. Anyway.
3: I, I love your impersonation. That's great. <laughs> B, I take a whenever like an original actor says whatever like kind about a thing, I'm like I take it with a grain of salt. Cause like every time Stephen King says something amazing about one of his remakes or an oh, adaptation, I'm like, okay, like come on, like come Good on, Lord. Stephen King Keep <laughs> yeah. jerking me off. Yeah. He
0: literally said about the Dark Tower, uh, uh Nicolas Arcel has remembered the face of his father, and then literally six months later, I was just like yeah, the dark tower didn't really work out too well, and this is like Jesus Christ! You're like literally paid to do these quotes. Um, yeah, and you can find out all of that in uh, another podcast that we host, the Losers Club, the yeah. Stephen King podcast presented there. But uh, yeah, I, I Jackie's not the problem. The problem is is what they you know they give Jackie, and the one thing mm-hmm. I do like about this is that. I think that this is still a more menacing Freddy than where we left off, even with like Freddie versus Jason or new nightmare. Um, I actually think he, that because I, again, like what I was saying before, it's got more realism to him. Like I, I really believe that this guy was like uh, a, like a sex offender just in like a real life, like um, offender, like a salter, because like even just the way he like says these old lines, like when he says like, I'm your boyfriend now, it's like laced with this sort of like menacing sexual undertone, that just comes from a guy. Like, it sounds like he's like his character in little children here. Like, absolutely. I,
3: I I agree. But then, yeah, but that's, that's the scene where it's like, okay, he's gonna molest her with this glove. Like that, 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 Mm. I mean, mean, we can talk about the sequence Mm. maybe later, but like, or like, I guess we we already talked about it, but it's, yeah, it's creepy, but it's, it's in such a new context. Then from compared to what that line was in the original film that I, I, I almost wish they just wouldn't have used those lines. Like mm-hmm. I wish they wouldn't have pulled lines from the original film. I always yeah. wish they would never used the,
0: re- the original lines because it just takes you out of it. I mean, like this new Terminator movie coming out. This you know this well oh, when yeah, this right. comes out. This episode, it's already out in theaters. Yeah. So go see Dark Fate. But uh, <laughs> they're literally already using like all the lines from the movie, as if like the characters in that universe are like, oh, remember when Kyle, my 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 lover who died, uh, said all these lines uh, in back in '84? I'm going to say them too now, 20-something like, like, years like, later. Like, remember, I, I
1: said I'd be back, and you're like, <laughs> no, you. You you never actually said that to that person (laughs) in the franchise. Like, we know it as a line.
0: So So weird. So
1: ridiculous. But
0: anyway, Jen, I'm sorry to cut you off.
4: No, that's okay. I was thinking, like, when I heard him say that and he's lying right on top of her, it's such a different way to say it than when he's over the phone in the Mm -hmm. original. It just felt – it felt really uncomfortable and menacing. And um, I think there's a thing – What I really like about the first, about Robert England's Freddy, is there's like a goofiness to it that is really unnerving and disturbing. And like the first time we see him, his arms are super long in the first one and he kind of runs around like waving them in the air. And it would seem absurd, but it just works in the first one. And there's nothing like that in here. He's so gritty and he's so real and menacing that it did scare me a lot more than first one but there's no lightness to it and that's what i love about robert england you know
3: i think uh, yeah i think a lot of his appearances i think um (laughs) again jackie o'haley is really good but i think a lot of his appearances feel very rehearsed like they don't have like the kind of um, crudeness that yeah. uh, England had in the first film, but and maybe that's why it took him so long to come after these kids because he was like setting up these elaborate like night. He had like storyboards <laughs> of all the nightmares he went and <laughs> was like, "Cool, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, they're going to run over here, and I'm going to stay over here, and then I'm going to do this." Oh, they're already eighteen years old. Fuck. Okay, let's go. Yeah, that, yeah. That's you know,
1: that's another thing too. The, the his nightmares are so unimaginative. Mm-hmm. Most of them just take place in the boiler room. Yeah, and and I, yeah. I, like we were saying this earlier, Mike was that I guess that kind of mirrors the first movie before yeah. they started to realize, oh, it's kind of fun to like have a kind of shtick with each person or they're playing on their greatest fear. But so why they went back to that original aesthetic is just kind of strange. Well, it's like
0: he's not playful in the slightest.
1: And and here's the thing. Look, again, that's cool if you want to make him a more gritty, like a real child molester. But this is not a, a, a... This is not a villain that you want to side with or even root for at any point. You know, sometimes you these movies, you're just like, yeah, kill that, kill that annoying character. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, how do you continue this franchise? Wouldn't you argue that the later sequels, though, like people did side with Freddy, people wanted to see him kill these people. But that's
1: why that's why they kept coming back because I feel like how do you make a sequel to this? And like, oh yeah, I want to see how co- cool child molester Freddie come back. <laughs> no, old, cin- do you know what I mean? Like when you lean on that more, yeah. it is gritty and it is uncomfortable, yeah. but it's not something you want to build a franchise around because then you're kind of glorifying mm-hmm. this. I don't know. Uh, like you can't bring him uh, back in a way that people want to see him come back. A good thing it's consider. hard. It's a hard line and, to walk. And, and I wonder
0: just, if that's, that. it that, that is. It's very hard to keep that going. And if you're going to continue to keep capitalizing on that, at some point you have to like, you have to like rectify like with what you're actually using and what you're discussing. And you're going I, like, what two or three sequels on this? Like there's no here, fucking way. And it's here's not, the thing. No
1: if we, if they had done the the thing where he was innocent, that's dangerous too, mm-hmm. because then you have people coming, coming out against the movie saying, well, now we can't believe children when this yeah. is actually happening. It's such a, it's such a real, this, it's just such a real and an uncomfortable thing that happens in the real world to even remotely put into a slasher film of sorts because I, it's it's uh, dangerous.
3: I I will I mean I I don't disagree with you, but I'm also not one to be like, well, we shouldn't do that in this film because it's too it mirrors too close to the real world. Because then I think you also go into the argument of you know art imitating life and or life imitating art and inspiring violence and blah blah blah. And I. I, uh, but yeah, but look at Joker. It's hard. It's, it's hard because <laughs> like, I wouldn't. Yeah, that's I wouldn't, the cha- yeah. but
1: I wouldn't change the the original nightmare. And, and yes, he is a child molester. But as we move on, they move away from that. Mm-hmm. They, Which, you know what I mean? Like he's just like he's coming back. He's killing the kids. And yeah, they they talk like yeah he 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 killed that. He went after those kids in, in Elm Street. It almost becomes more. That he originally haunted the people on Elm Street, but they don't get into the the actual child molestation exactly. of it. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, he becomes the kind of the boogeyman, and that's why it becomes that's why he becomes MTV Freddy, and because people kind of just forgot about that mm-hmm. portion. There's of no it. way you'd ever forget that. They don't double down on that, <laughs> but this is yeah, you're not going back. I mean, she sees the pictures that he kept yeah. under the mattress. little like, old pictures. you're like, yeah. oh, this Which, is. So by the way. Awful.
0: How the fuck did they not find this cave? Oh, that is my huge... That is the biggest problem with this movie. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. biggest
1: problem with the movie. When Clancy Brown says, who I love Clancy Brown, Love Clancy Brown. We never found the cave and then they go to his basement room pull a piece of plyboard off the wall they didn't find this cave yeah. it was right behind it was in the room that he was staying in oh my god
0: it's and such he said a they joke
4: haven't slept in eight days or the ones to crack this super mystery yeah it's, it's just, such a joke
0: yeah. and ridiculous uh-huh. it would be
1: one thing if he like led them to some place that they'd never explored. You know, mm-hmm. they were like, Oh, we just never thought to look here. Yeah. It it's and it was really actually hard to find, but he leads them to but no, it's like it's in his room yeah. in the basement of the place. It's just like there's no way they wouldn't have found this. It's just oh. Joe. Yeah. It,
0: it's so like
4: evidence here. <laughs> yeah like, I the the
0: the one thing I will say is that again, just like what I was, you know, saying earlier in uh Weston Hills is I do like I don't like I don't like the revelation at the end and I don't like how they handle it but the fact that you like in hindsight again that you know that he has been re- manipulating them like Rashomon style of just like showing the details here and there is really mm-hmm. cool to think about. Like are not cool but like something that I wish they would have actually been able to execute perfectly because that's something that like god like that would have been really awesome to do in like the original film, you know, if if they would have actually like kind of hit that because my my biggest problem with the original film always is just that yeah, I think I think Freddie is unnerving and I think I like him as the boogeyman, but I never get the sense of like terror or tension that you're supposed to get. Like I get that actually more in the second one because it's actually happening more in real life and all this other stuff, well, but I never get it in the first one. And this having it, that sort of manipulation and somebody that's fucking with your what you actually know, like that's a lynching construct right there. And I love that. Like, you know, but
3: it's also kind of interesting. I was even thinking just with the glove itself. Like so, in the original, you know, it makes sense because he's killing the kids with this glove. In this one, he doesn't kill the kids. He just, I mean, quote unquote, just molests them.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so, and then he occasionally scratches their backs with the glove. <laughs> so it's really kind of like I don't, I don't know. Like it, it, it's such a weird change to the origin story. Like I, I, I think that goes into uh, like, like like what you were saying, Jen, about like these are the kids, like it's the same kids, whereas in the original film, mm-hmm. it's like a different set of kids and he's just going after the kids of the parents that killed him, which does make sense. Because in the original he one, wouldn't... it's like the siblings, right? Like... Well, that's in a,
1: a deleted
0: scene. No.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, is, okay, So the deleted I scene. The deleted yeah, scene. In, the,
1: in the deleted scene, the mother, when she's showing him the glove, or showing Nancy the glove, she, go, she talks about how Everybody, all of the kids on Elm Street, like Nancy and, and Giant Dev's character and all the, they all had older brothers and sisters that were actually murdered okay. and they didn't know existed because they tr- they covered it up and then they just didn't, you know, they were so young that they wouldn't have known that they had an older brother or sister that was molested and okay. killed. Okay. But they, again, when the, McMur- when the McMartin trial and all that stuff was going on, they are like, oh, we're going to move away from the molestation angle. They, they, they cut that part out and just said that Which was- he was a child murderer and that which probably worked in the long run know. for the franchise then
0: leaning in like here because like one of the yeah, questions it's a I, cool
1: like, it's, it's a cool idea to think oh, like, oh that's 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 interesting well, but, but like it limits his ability to because what well once you're done killing those kids then what do you care about being an option like, that's why they moved away from that contracted yeah.
0: for three films Haley was you know this in, you know right, including this right. one yeah. what would you even do with the next two movies right <laughs>
1: Like you bring well, Nancy uh, back, I guess,
0: again? And, and yeah, it just, I mean, we'll I never mean, know. I guess yeah. you could
1: say that with the original Nightmare films too, and they found a way to they found that is any Is it coming back. Yeah. What do we think about
4: like special uh, victims unit season? You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: What what do you think about uh Freddie's look in this? The real like the real burn look versus do you think that works in this film? Nope.
3: I I didn't know I I didn't know if we were gonna talk about this here in the effects section, but like it's I think the the idea, the concept of making him look like a real victim works, but it is marred by horrendous CGI. Mm Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, my thing with this too is, okay, if you make him look like a real burn victim. I wish they had just leaned a little bit further into making him look very different. Like, yeah. not, but, you know, like not even the stripes. Like, well, it doesn't. Or anything it like doesn't that. make sense that he has the hat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I even guess he in wears the time it period when he's, in which he was wearing it is yeah. just like strange. Or the sweater. It, I don't know. I, part of me was just like maybe, man, maybe. If he was just like this. This. I don't know. You walk around naked, burned, you know, oh, with God. just the glove. But, but again, like you were saying, Trace, like the the glove doesn't really even make sense because he wasn't killing these kids. Yeah. So it's like, why yeah. do you even have that? Because you're forcing you're, in all these you know, old you're, you're, icons. You're you're clearly yeah. marking these kids, and so so that people would know that you yeah. that they're being he hurt. Wasn't, it he wasn't did a it? smart molester, exactly, no. yeah. and it, so that's strange. Trying to Wolverine, but, I but it's, it's it goes <laughs> yeah. into like kind
0: of like the problem I have with the remakes of the Ots is that like. They, they really didn't try to like think beyond what you could actually do you know you have a you have a fucking sandbox like with the ip like do something different with it like that's one. i mean uh-huh. everyone always talks about Cronenberg's the fly but like that doesn't look anything like the original fly because obviously it's fucking modern and there's it's 20 or 30 something years later and you could do so much more with it okay you could do the same thing with this like like you know, Leatherface pretty much looks like the same as the you know the old leather like Le- yep. Leatherface. It's the same thing with like you know the only one I can really say that goes really different is like Amityville. Like Amityville looks totally different than the first the, the first one. And God, uh, uh, granted, the house looks the same, but like say the house is the same. <laughs> like the the ghosts look different. Like the, the the demons itself look ultimately totally different. I mean, granted, like Brian Reynolds you know? looks <laughs> like James Brolin, but <laughs> like yeah, but like the same time that 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 goes in my argument even more. It's just like. They still can't distance themselves from it, and like even when they did the remake of Halloween for Rob Zombie, like you'd think that like you'd even do a different mask, like just do something
1: like just depart, depart, depart. Like it that requires guts. It requires guts and risk and risk taking that they're just not prepared to do. Yeah. You well, know, if I had my way, we'd have Friday the Thirteenth would finally be out of the legal disputes that it had, and we'd have you know pillowcase Jason comeback yeah you know? but like they're just not gonna do these things because they're so afraid that people aren't gonna know what it is but you're you're banking on ki- kids don't know who Jason is probably mm-hmm. kids growing up now they haven't had a Jason movie in 10 17 years. years you know like they years. don't remember that franchise they didn't grow up with it so you can start something you mm-hmm. can do something new you can change the way he looks or whatever but they will never Do that, we're gonna get another. We're gonna get another nightmare, and it's gonna look exactly like the Freddy we know. And it's gonna, you know, it's just, it's sad.
3: I, I think though. So, with the Freddy franchise in general, I think New Line. I think it's something to say about studios that listen too much to fandom, and I think the internet now is like has made that even worse. Mm -hmm. But I feel like New Line has always been, um, responsive or um, reactionary to what the fans want, and to an extent, I think that's fine. But I think that they were so, like, at the mercy of what they thought fans wanted, that that's why there's so many different ideas in this movie, because all these executives, Bob Shea and everyone else, had a different idea of what fans liked out of this franchise, and so they tried to squish them all into one thing, plus a molestation storyline, and it just (laughs) feels (laughs) really, it feels like a lot of different ideas that don't complete. Doesn't it
0: feel like more than anything out of the entire Nightmare on Elm Street, like, franchise itself or whatever you want to because I, I don't even know if you can consider this part of the the actual nightmare in elm street franchise but doesn't this feel like using the brand name of a nightmare in elm street doesn't this feel like bob shea like has like the least amount of involvement with this whatsoever he doesn't, like, have a cameo. Like, yeah. He doesn't yeah he doesn't even have a cameo in it he doesn't he like because like that was one thing i will say even just watching like the never sleep documentary which is kind of telling that they don't include this one in there also but like um they i think it's weird that like um You know he he does have such a love for this franchise. You know, and you you know he knew where they're going with the story. And like, granted, he's come very you know he's been very transparent about like the errors and the ills of what has happened in the past. But in this one, you could just tell that like he, like maybe like even if Wes had been involved, like he kind of just was like, oh, that's what you guys are doing. All right, bye. Like, go for it. You guys, have, you know, I just need the money. I mean, granted. You probably had a lot more to worry about at the time, given neoline state, so... Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just... I think the the fact that, like, Freddy is pretty much just like a boilerplate copy, carbon copy, but a little darker, a little edgier, a little sinister is kind of telling of the lack of imagination here. But, hey, we, we have a bunch of other characters to talk about, uh, and I think we're... Are we ready to, to move on to the kids? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah.
2: You are all
0: my children now. I didn't mention this before, but I would like in the platinum dunes remakes to like Maxim magazine where like everyone just looks like hyperbolic oh, yeah. hot. Everyone looks just like absolutely chiseled and perfect. Like they literally just walked out of the fucking gym. And right. that's kind of what I would argue here with the exception of maybe Kyle Gallner, who I think actually looks like a high schooler uh, in here, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I,
3: so all all of them were between the ages of 22 and 24. I double checked when they, they filmed this, when they were released. Yeah. So they, they, yeah, they're all in their early 20s,
0: which is actually not bad for a high school movie, because usually a lot of the times, especially like in you know the WB shows or even CW shows, they tend to be a little mm-hmm. older. You know. Well, um, even you look
1: at like Scream, they 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 were they were yeah. in their they were in their early 20s, but they weren't like 20. They want 21, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and you could tell even when the scream four. you know, like that young cast, that they could possibly be, like, right out of high school. Yeah, I agree. So, I think the
0: Scream screen 4 out of all of the Screams, like, that cast actually looks like it's in high school. Um, yeah. But I, I
4: don't know. I think they styled them a lot older, too. You know, like, when you're seeing Chris driving down the street in that convertible, it's like, she doesn't look like a high school kid.
0: No way. Well, well let's talk about Chris. Um, Katie Cassidy, I have some issues with Katie Cassidy just because she's been in too many CW shows, and I've <laughs> oh, never liked her in anything.
1: Uh, i love her <laughs> I, I think she's so bad in this movie <laughs> i i i know I, I don't i, I so i'm gonna jump for try sorry <laughs> i don't think <laughs> no, that no, no, go, go, go. i don't think katie cassidy is awful in this film i think that it's a missed opportunity to i feel like what they should have done in this film if you're gonna do something different kill nancy
2: Make Katie Cassidy Uh, the actual.
1: Make Katie Cassidy. I don't. I think they could have got a stronger actress, but like, Mm -hmm. make. Chris, the actual lead, like you think Chris yeah. is going to be Tina and get killed, and then she doesn't, or there's a flip there. I think that would have been really interesting because then, then you don't know what to expect the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. But mm-hmm. hey, they she's already got a great changed. Scream. But they that um, only would have worked if they kept everyone's name. Yeah, but they changed everybody's name. But Nancy, it says I don't know why they did that because then they really tried to mirror a lot of the deaths for those people and a lot of the beats of the original film. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't. I, I watched a lot of arrow and <laughs> <that's> <laughs> like, the <thing>. I don't <laughs> love Katie Cassie. Like I, lo- I Look, think she's probably I, a great person. She seems like she's probably a really nice person in real life, but like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't really mind her in this movie for the part that she's playing. She's, she's kind of just like in and out, but um, mm-hmm. there's, there's and a line as of dialogue stand in. It doesn't, I don't know. Again, it goes back to, I don't feel like any of these kids are friends. So, so when they start dying, I don't feel like anybody really cares about anybody. No. It's no. weird. Right. That so, is that is a problem for sure. Uh,
3: I don't think you can blame Laura Lance on Katie Cassidy. I think that you can blame the writing on that, but because she, she got better when she got to be Black Canary and she could be evil, like that's when Katie Cassidy got better on Arrow. Um,
1: I had but, I had left the Arrow franchise at that point, unfortunately, but I had moved well, on to Flash, which I really love and I've continued to watch.
3: Uh, uh, plug for Legends of Tomorrow, which is one of the best shows on television. Everyone should watch that. Uh, but. <laughs> no, so I she, at this time Cassidy was like at a weird cuz she didn't this is the third horror remake she had done. Mm-hmm. She had done a yeah. trailer call, she did Black Christmas and then she did this. Um, and Black Christmas and is just oof. Oh, It's it's it's, it's, it's not great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like and yeah, so but the idea yeah, is she was on Supernatural. She did the Melrose Place reboot playing the stand-in for Heather Locklear. Um but <laughs> Uh, she, Gossip Girl. She was a villain one season. Then Arrow. Yes, so all that CW. But she also did this show called Harper's Island on CW, which I, I sorry on CBS, which I really really liked. Was, I like, love uh, that show. <laughs> yeah, and she's not the best character, but she does get one of the best death scenes in the show. Um, mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for Harper's Island. I but it, my thing is, she's my favorite character in this movie, and I maybe that's because I do like Katie Cassidy, and so I'm like that's coloring my feelings, but. And also maybe, and we'll get to Rooney Mara in a minute, but because oh, I yeah. don't give a shit about Rooney Mara. I have
0: a lot to say about <laughs> Rooney Mara. <at> this point. <laughs> I, I,
3: I agree with you, Mac, though. I think you kill Nancy and you follow Chris for the rest of this movie. I think that would have been a much better, clever, and more interesting choice.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of it does come down to the script. I mean, literally one of the first lines of dialogue she has is, and I I rewound this a bunch of times because it's just so (laughs) bad, the delivery. She's just like, he's just like, um, Dean, I think, uh, was it? um, Yeah, Dean's the The character. The memorable Dean. Yeah, the memorable Dean. He's just like. Kellen Lutz. Kellen Lutz is just like, um, she walks up and she's like, God, it looks like you haven't. I haven't slept in you know eight days or something like that, and like it's there's a pause there where it's it's not even like a you know she's actually like he's actually breaking, he's like, waiting, cutting him off, <laughs> just waiting for his line, and I'm like oh my god, like this is so stilted, and this is the first opening line of dialogue you have for this movie, <laughs> and I don't think <laughs> it ever improves from there, like it really doesn't, and like I be I think because of this the the dialogue that these this cast is hamstrung with, I think it really hurts them a lot. I, I think that. Some people can rise above it. I would argue that Kyle Gallner does because I feel like his eyes are like literally attending a funeral the entire movie, um, <laughs> and he just looks like he's fucked up beyond belief. Like, I mean, his argument was well, wait, in the before- interview is <laughs> that he was like always on pharmaceuticals <laughs> and stuff, but like yeah. he's the only one that that like I'm just gonna say that right now, blanket statement. He's the only one I believe in or buy in this entire movie um, that you and, believe
1: like, exists in this universe exists in this universe. I do agree exists
0: that's happening to them. Like I I, I think- just never buy the terror from anyone
1: else in this movie before like, we. Get to to Kyle because he's there's so much going on with yeah. with, yeah, there's with a lot Quentin, on. uh, Dean. He's in the movie for like two two seconds. Mm-hmm. I, I think that he he is just like a great looking guy. <laughs> I <Yeah>. think <laughs> I I done I didn't expect much from him, but I, I think that he really sells that, that opening opening uh, when he gets when he gets when killed. Yeah, the knife. I think oh. that he really sells that. I think I think he does that well. No, I, I think he does. I yeah. think you know the the you're not real, you're not real. That whole thing I, that worked for me. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. Uh so, Kellen, Lutz, if you're out there. Love you before. I thought I thought it was pretty cool that the
0: the screeners of this movie saw the original source material and um decided to treat the character of Rod uh like the new uh Terminator villain where you can kind of just <laughs> split him into two people. <laughs> like that's yes. literally what you get. Like because like that's the problem with this movie is that like all the archetypes that are being set here are all based on the fucking original film. Like you don't really yeah. they don't actually like try to create a new one. I mean, I guess like I guess you could argue that Quentin isn't really like Glenn at all I mean because he's not really athletic like he's I guess he is athletic he's but they're not, a, he's a they're not but like, together they're not in a relationship and they're there. not really in a relationship he's more of a Joy Division fan in which I could never in a million years <laughs> imagine Glenn listening <laughs> to Joy Division but um there there are but they're all based in these fucking archetypes which goes back to the whole idea that like the later you're just like kind of rewriting the old script and so like I feel like a lot of the characters just get kind of shoehorned into the role that they're supposed to play. Like I almost wished like halfway through the movie, they realized like, wait a second, I like joy division or I I, I'm not a goth or whatever, you know, or something like that. And they're like, why am I being, you know, hamstrung with all these like details that, you know, I don't really actually believe or, you know, make the assumption that I believe in, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, for me it just I, I don't know the the cast of characters in this is is arguably the most forgettable cast of characters in a nightmare movie and i know that's that that's kind of a tall order because i actually think that a nightmare the franchise does a really good job in its cast for the most part like even freddy's dead like the cast is not bad in that movie um and that movie is arguably the worst chapter in the they're whole they're memorable movie. yeah yeah i mean they're they still might not memorable. be
1: great but they're still yeah. memorable I don't remember half these characters. I remember Quentin and I remember Nancy, but just because mm-hmm.
3: yeah, it's Mara. Yeah. You remember Nancy in this movie? Well, I
1: mean, I the only reason I remember not her character, but you know, really Mara went on, and you know, like she was recognizable by yeah, yeah. me. But that's the only reason see, I really remember it. You know, I don't remember I, what she did I, in this I think movie. that's...
3: I think that's why, though, I do remember this cast of characters. And, I mean, again, I think it just goes to show how much CW I was watching at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I mean, even Thomas Decker, I, mean, I grew up watching Thomas Decker. He was on Heroes, uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. I love Sarah Connor Chronicles, yeah. Great show. Uh, but then he did, like, The Secret Circle, which is a Kevin Williamson show in the CW. So it's like, yeah, they're all, like, in this incestual relationship with CW.
0: <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is just because there's no, I mean, it's so, it's it's kind of, unfair of me to say like oh they're just surface level characters when like you can go back to like nightmare on elm street 4 and all those characters are at surface level like you literally just have debbie that's like ew cockroaches and i like i like exercising though and that's it like that's yeah. all depth you get yeah. but, well, I, a- but i still feel more for them because i think again like it goes what you're saying Mac before it's like none of them appear to actually give a shit about each other so why should we care about them and i think that maybe is the problem i don't
4: and we never see them being kids or doing any fun things. They're just always upset about something. Yeah. Like,
2: that's
1: stupidity. so that's so so I I agree but that that was where I kind of stood back and was like, is this how it is though with like technology and phones and mm-hmm. all this stuff? Like are kids just kind of more like are every is everybody just kind of a loner and everybody knows who each other who who who, who everybody is, but we don't all they don't hang out. They don't do the same things that you know, I, I started thinking like, am I just disconnected? Am I not this is not how I grew up. Maybe maybe kids are connecting with this. Mm-hmm. And the movie did really well, but like again, no one was clamoring for a sequel. So mm-hmm. I think they missed I think they missed the point there. You've got to show these kids hanging out and actually having a good time. You have to care about them. Even Rod, who's this total asshole and misogynistic piece of shit? You know, when he witnesses Tina's death and then he's on the run, you you, you know that you feel mm-hmm. for him
0: still. Yeah. Even
1: though you know he's a piece of shit, you don't want him to die because you know that he well, the- he cared about – he really did care about Tina. And there's that moment where he talks to Nancy. And I don't like – again, I don't want to compare to the original film. But when you don't have any connected tissue or the connected tissue that that's there is built on like, well – you're an ex or you're, you know, there's already this jointed, you know, kind of, this just like uh, implied history that they don't really all, all, I guess.
0: Well,
3: that's, I mean, that's what I was going to ask though. Cause like when you talk about memorable characters, it's like, what is memorable about Tina, the outside of her death sequence. But what the original does is it gives them that scene in the house where they're all like having like the sleepover exactly. basically. Uh-huh. And you, you get to see them talk to each other and you yeah. see them as friends. And that's not even something that's specific to the original film. That's just screenwriting one oh one. right this movie doesn't give our characters that. And I I almost think that it might be also because we have that, the opening sequence, which is more, it gets very screamy, you know, like let's mm-hmm. cast a hot actor at the time and kill him in the opening scene. And because of that, we start with the tragedy immediately and we don't, get to and then we cut to the funeral you know we don't get to and they're already split up so we don't get i just wish we had something like that and you could have house scene like and and,
0: and you really could have in that diner scene i just think the diner scene is so rushed
1: well the diner scene they could have all just been hanging out yeah it could have been the the cool hangout that we keep (laughs) saying clearly it was supposed to be it was supposed to be but they're all sitting at different
3: tables. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. they're all like sitting like Kellen, by themselves.
0: Kellen Lutz walks in. and He's just like, "Oh, you guys are playing, um, you guys are playing Death Cab for Cutie again." And it, like, hits the jukebox or something <laughs> yeah. like that, and it starts playing like I don't know, like fucking Foo Fighters random, or some man. shit like that. But just something that has them have some sort of chemistry. But instead, it's just it's so sterile. Like, mm-hmm. there's a sterility to this movie that that really just washes over everything. and I, like,
1: and I, uh, and I would say that with the original movie, the thing that was memorable about Tina and and it, it, I've seen it so many times I don't even think about this anymore. But that. I think we, if you're originally watching Emma and Upshoot for the first time and you don't mm-hmm. know anything about it and you've never seen it before, you might think Tina's going to be the lead. Yeah, because mm-hmm. she's the blonde. She's like the she's What's the psycho. She's thing? focused on like, the very beginning yeah, of the movie. Yeah. She's the first dream. You don't think that she's going to be killed immediately. So I think that's 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 her memorable trope. But right. again, the, I think that could have been this, and you know where you think Nancy, you think it's Well, no is that you think Chris is going to be the Tina character, and then all of a sudden I like Nancy that. Gets yeah, yeah no, know, that would have been great. I, I think that would have been interesting, but. But you know well, what? They didn't if- do it.
4: <laughs> no. Well, even, say, even Chris's death like they don't give her any humanity in no. this like they're recreating Tina's death and that's one of my favorite deaths in all of horror and what I love about it is you see her trying to crawl along like the walls and you can see the pain and the fear on her face and she's like reaching out to Rob but they just bonk her around the room so fast in this one that like <laughs> she might as well just be a doll you yeah know? which is really I, weird oh, about that
0: death I, I is, liked it is, The I, thing I, that's I, I don't know I think it's odd because it's like they have this whole long um setup where you're following her around the house right and it's quiet and it's actually surprisingly quiet for this movie and and you know she goes to the bathroom and then she goes back to her bed and then he's right there and then as opposed to like maybe this was just a a matter of subversion to just be like well we're not going to show you what you saw in the first one we're just going to kind of show you her she's just going to quickly die and that's it like you well, know, it's not really drawn I, out at all at that
3: point. I see. Yeah, I actually, it, it was longer than I remember. There, there's a part where her body is like spinning. It's like a, doing a barrel roll in the air, and like you hear her feet like like slapping, like slapping the ceiling. And I actually like I don't know. That's one. I do think it works better in the original because she's like you know crawling up the walls versus this one. She's literally just floating around the room. Um, my biggest issue with with her death was that in the original when Tina gets sliced down the belly, like you see those cuts like cut her skin. This one. When you don't really get that it just kind of like yeah they appear and she bleeds out and boom she's gone mm-hmm. so i thought the build-up to the the kill was actually very well done i agree the kill with the build itself I, I wasn't impressed yeah. with yeah
0: exactly yeah, like there's for, a tension
3: to it but
1: yeah. and for a character that's seemingly drawing these things out and kind of playing with them manipulating them it seems so short and then again like we were saying if you're going to mirror this death scene which is one of the most classic death scenes in yeah. a horror film franchise. It's the best. Why one the even try franchise. to do that? And then when you, and, and all it is is just you know she gets flopped around the room like Brecken Meyer and Freddy's dead, and then just <laughs> some quick slashes and she's gone. Yeah, it's yeah. like do something different or, or or make us think that that's how she's going to go, and then she gets out of the room and there's something else that happened. You know what I mean? Well, if like you think about
0: it, the death count's really low in this movie too. So why rush it's,
3: it? Yeah, it's it, it, well, so It's like the first really, one. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I, t- I clocked it, though. Kellen Lutz, nine minutes. Katie Cassidy, 30 minutes. Thomas Decker, 40 minutes. And then wow. you don't have another death, really, until uh, Connie Britton in the final scene.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, well, here's the thing with the Thomas Decker stuff. So, I mean, I think that could be a good character to go to next. Yeah, I actually I actually really like... um, I, I like Jesse Braun in here a lot. I actually feel for him more than I do with Rod in the original one because, like you said, Matt, yeah. like, Rod's a piece of shit. Like, Jesse's not a piece <laughs> of shit in this. Like, he's just kind of like... <laughs> you know the bruised ex-boyfriend that wants to you know kind of help you know his his ex but when he gets out like there's a cruelty to his death in this that I don't think they actually capitalize on enough i like like i like the idea that he's in jail there's a fear to this mm-hmm. like he's like he's he's freaked out that he's going to die in here but he's also freaked out that he's in jail you buy the terror because you actually see him being processed in ways that you didn't with Rod in the original one and then i love the fact that like it does the thing with like the wall behind him, and then he realizes because it's like so cool. It's like, oh, you made bail, and then, right? Nope, you're fucking stuck in this nightmare. And then, to like kill him, and then also say like, oh yeah, and I got you for seven more minutes. Like, do something with that then. Like, yeah. don't don't like you know like if you only are gonna have so many deaths in this movie like you earn the time to do it like don't pull your punches here like fucking go all out I think like, it would
1: have been pretty horrifying like you know that there's that other inmate stuck in that room with him I know and then for seven minutes he just continue. like he just sees yeah. all these things happening oh. to him and that And then it's pinned like, on the guy Yeah. Uh, why, why wouldn't you play more with that idea that is such mm-hmm. a cool idea and it's introduced really early pretty early in the film and they don't do anything with but it it's do so you bizarre think
0: it, do you I, think it's because they wanted to just really immediately get to the mystery of this
1: movie Movie. I mean,
0: well, no,
3: because uh, they, they they were like, oh wait, Nancy's in this movie. We got to bring her in. That's what we're doing. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, what about the main character of us? Uh, but like, I,
3: I I do think that this is probably the most effective nightmare sequence in the film because I, I like that he finds the bodies of uh, Chris and Dean. I thought that mm-hmm. was a really cool, like like little sadistic little touch. I do wish that his death wasn't just an arm popping out of his I chest. I, I mm-hmm. it. It feels very anticlimactic for what up to that point cause the, this is also the best like Freddy taunting sequence yes. in the film. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, for it to end with like kind of like a is just like eh, okay.
1: Well, it was the the you know why are you screaming? I haven't even cut you yet. Like I think that line works. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's yeah. it's you're you're invested at that point. You really are. And the, and then yeah, just arm through the chest. And there's Thomas no Decker there's no imagination. Really yeah,
0: here. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Thomas Decker is really underrated. I mean, he, you know what's fun fact is he's the kid in uh, Seinfeld,
3: Village of the Dam. Oh, and, oh and I was gonna in say Village, Village of the Dam.
0: Village of the Dam too. <laughs> yeah, he's the kid in Seinfeld who wishes for the home runs. Um, oh God, <laughs> at, that Kramer that Kramer uh, promises him. But uh, I loved him as John Connor in the Sarah Chronicles, which is insanely underrated. Uh, that show probably yeah. the best Terminator sequels uh, out there. But um, Lena Headey, man. She's great, great as Sarah. But um, so when I saw him in this, I was really stoked because at the time when this came out, I want to say the Sarah Connor Chronicles, maybe season two had just ended. Um, yeah. Well, it, or maybe it was a year. I after. Think, like I think it was that. a year after
3: this. i sorry. It, I think it was 09 when Sarah Connor ended.
0: Okay, so it was a year before this. But it was so it was, I was relieved to actually see him again. But yeah, I think he does do a really good job here, and, and especially in just conveying the the fear of this because when he's like he's trapped in that field. Like it is kind of just like, that's the only time I really do actually kind of feel for a character so much in this movie. No, when he's like
3: cowered on the floor and like Freddy's like hovering over him, like mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it, it is a moment of genuine terror.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, Freddy's scary in that moment. He's, he's, he's playing with him. He's manipulating him. He's mm-hmm. teasing him. And, you don't need to be funny. You don't need to be MTV Freddie to make that work. It no. works in that sequence. They just don't do enough of
0: that. No, no. Well, let's, uh, l- let's move over to the, the man of the hour that I've been talking about Kyle Garner, because we're going to save <laughs> Rooney for, for last. Cause I think we have a lot to say about Rooney, but, yeah, okay. uh, do we, <laughs> I, I, I like Kyle Gallner as I have said multiple times on this, uh, he gets to be the kind of Glenn here. Uh, I he kind of reminds me of Nick Stahl from Disturbing Behavior, where he's this intelligent slacker who's kind of undermined by those around him. Um, and for that, I he's the character that I kind of was able to to latch onto a little bit because I I, I like his mannerisms. I think that uh, Gallner brings a little bit to the table. He's got that sort of like spunky attitude. I mean, he exhibited yeah. it in Smallville when he's playing Flash. There, I, I think he does it here really well. But Gallner is like very.
3: Yeah, he's very underrated. Uh, kind of around this time, so he's coming. Did y'all watch Veronica Mars? Oh no. yeah,
0: because yeah, I, I, he, he's he's in that too, right? Um.
3: Yeah. So he he's he's in the first two seasons of Veronica Mars, and he gets a great arc. Um, coincidentally, also dealing with molestation in Veronica Mars season two, um, at the hands of Steve Guttenberg. Uh, Jesus, and, really? Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's he he. Yes, he's like a recurring character in the first season, but he's like a main part of season two. And it's if you've never seen Veronica Mars, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's he, <laughs> he's great in it. Um, but like, I think he also did like um, Haunting of Connecticut around this time. Yes, and of course, Jennifer's yeah. body was the year before this. And he's one of the uh, well, I mean, the one he's a very good part of Jennifer's body. And his death's also very upsetting. But I, I'm I'm always surprised cause like he did this and he did like Red State, the Kevin Smith movie, which yeah. I think is actually pretty solid. But i I'm do in the too. minority with that one. No, no, I, uh, I agree with you. Yeah, but, like, he, he never really – he hasn't really broken out since then, and I, it always kind of makes me a little sad because I do think he's a very talented actor, and I think he's good in this movie with a role that is fine. I i mean, how do you all feel about having two final people in this movie as opposed to just Nancy?
4: I, I, I feel I, like if I, Nancy were more of a character, I would feel a little slighted by it. But I mean she just doesn't give you enough. I think no. you need yeah. their character, you know?
3: I agree. And maybe they knew that when they <laughs> when they <laughs> were filming. Yeah, yeah,
1: probably. They were like, Oh they're like, she's phoning it in. We've got to up Quentin's character. Which
0: <laughs> I, yeah. it almost kinda hauls back or calls back to like Nightmare Four though, you know, where you know, Alice is. Uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. you don't need one Brian, final. Yeah, like person in this, and they they're kind of like the team at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also like it's is it Alice and
1: Mark. Is it Mark?
0: No, I I gotta look it up, but because that's gonna drive me <laughs> fucking nuts. It maybe it is Mark, but. Um, I, I kind of like them having a little duo together. It reminds me a little bit of like Dewey and Gail yeah. and scream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh
4: yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, much less entertaining, but yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of I wrote hard a to a a little... Sorry. <laughs> All, right. All
4: right. I wrote a piece a little while ago about the evolution of final girls. And, um, Nancy is one of like I think a different step in the new movie. But then we get in Scream, we kind of almost start to get like a final quartet rather than just like a single person. And I think we've seen that for so long now that by the time this movie was made, that's what we're used to. It's not just one person anymore, it's a couple of people. And then they can kind of have dialogue together and it's a little more. I I just think that's kind of been the trend for so long that it didn't feel strange to me. And we see that in the Friday the 13th remake too.
1: True. Oh, yeah, that's true. You're leaving that open for I don't, you know, sure. yeah. You leave it open for another. If you're doing a sequel, you have some more fodder, some 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 important characters that you care about right out the gate that could possibly be murdered, mm-hmm. and, and you know, madness ensues in the sequel. Obviously, there wasn't a sequel to this film, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't think that. Uh, I, I think Kyle's Kyle's. I don't. No slight to him as an actor. I just think again, this is like the script failing. Like mm-hmm. I just was not yeah. on board when he immediately turns on his father and, and just. After seeing what happened, after after Freddie decides to show him what how he was treated by the parents and how he was killed, I just didn't buy his immediate mistrust of his parents. You just yeah, don't yeah. want him to turn on Clancy Brown. I no, we love that's Clancy thing. Brown so much. We were talking much. about, you know, it's sad though because we were talking about like things that I remember from this movie. I for, totally forgot he was in this movie. I agree, and yeah. I love I, Clancy I, Brown, know. and that's sad. Yeah, and Con- that is sad to me. Yeah, Connie, I remember yeah. Connie Britton was in it only for that for that final sequence. Uh, we're glad that this they retread like, that as well. For this no is reason. like
0: a great era for Connie Britton. I mean, it still is a great era for Connie Britton. What am I talking about? Right. But th- th- this <laughs> time, like Friday Night Lights, is still like like really peaking at that point. But.
1: But uh, but yeah, I just I, I I was out on his I I just Nancy and him I just didn't no I, I mean didn't I like I de- them as the finals because yeah. they just don't do enough with them I,
3: I I I definitely think it's a case of me liking Kyle Gallner more than I'm liking this character <laughs> I, I, I mean I, yeah, that's I, okay I dis- that's okay though <laughs> I, I don't dislike Quentin in this movie I, I are they trying to set up like a because I think in the opening scene they try to set up like a like he likes her romantically.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think that's. But then, the case oh in, so. yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, but then they don't really do anything with that because you know molesting.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and they I... do kiss right after he's told her that she's been molested. Oh yes,
3: oh, I wrote that in my notes. I literally wrote, "What the fuck timing is that?"
4: <laughs> Read the room, Quentin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I you guys like Quentin.
0: <laughs> the 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 one thing I will like about these these two leads that we have are. They're willing to go the extra mile to uh, keep themselves awake because it's not enough to just go drink coffee. We got to get like needles and stab ourselves with, oh, with it. The, my, and what of my burn fa- our fucking skin <laughs> like because this is they a platinum love- dunes. Yeah.
1: One, of, one of my favorite scenes is when Quentin goes to the pharmacy acting like a complete drug addict <laughs> to get you. Like you couldn't uh-huh. just calmly yeah. like you're gonna just be so fried and uh, you know maybe he's just so fried he can't do it but I just was like why even try if you're gonna I, go in there like that I, I kind of wish this movie would have gone like full uh, natural born killers or like true romance or <laughs> like he just
0: like takes a gun out he's like well, actually you are gonna give me the fucking prescription and like just like
1: <laughs> yeah. blows
0: the goddamn pharmacist's head off and then like they become the real the, villains of the piece hey give me that didn't he do something fucking different yeah but, the hey, police you know.
1: come to Freddie and they're like actually we need you to take these kids out <laughs>
4: <laughs> look there's your sequel yeah yeah yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they, they
0: really get the, turn it on its head. The, the police chief is played by uh, the guy who plays Lenny in um, uh, Ghostbusters, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Will someone get me Freddy Krueger? Will um, somebody
1: get me <laughs> Freddy Krueger, please?" <laughs> uh, God, so I,
0: I was actually surprised rewatching it that like that that um, Gallner lives. I mean, yeah. which is mm-hmm. yeah. I totally forgot about that. I even re, even we were watching it a second time this month. I <laughs> forgot that he lives at the I, I could have you know, sworn he No, it doesn't he, like, surprise me that end. you forgot
1: about it. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it isn't surprising. But all right. you know, it's something oh really quick. Though yeah. something I did like uh, with his character was when he when he's in the library and then you there's that moment where you see Freddie talk uh, reading to the kids. Yeah. That is a really creepy moment but it's completely ruined by that quick sped up CG turnaround mm. of his character. I, I don't know why they do it. kind of reminded stuff. me of it. Chapter one, even if he had bit. just kind of creaked his neck to the, you know, almost like he's about to turn around. Then he yeah. wakes up. Like I, I just, uh, it's like, okay, you want to turn around so quickly that you wake him up from his own dream. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? You try to kill him and keep him in the dream. It's just, it doesn't, it's just, there's a lot of things that just don't make sense. There's
0: a lot of dream logic. Whereas you watch the original ones and you could tell like they really sat down and went like, all right, what would actually happen in these dreams? You know, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think that that pays off. I mean, I think a lot of it probably has to do with the practical effects because they have to figure out like, all right, well, what would make sense? How are we going to make this work? (laughs) Exactly. So like, how would that look, you know, and work narratively and they don't really do that in this one. But, um, elephant in
1: the room Rooney Mara are we ready to talk about Rooney
2: Ooh. oh yeah Are we ready let's for Rooney there. there's
1: a few <laughs> other a few other uh, extra characters I want to talk about but yeah let's get to the let's let's talk about Rooney <laughs>
0: um I'm gonna say straight up I've never liked Rooney Mara and I know that's, really? that makes not the, even in it. Pan no oh yeah Pan especially <laughs> no I, I think she's oh great I, I love her in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and that Me is too. about it
3: yeah uh, if you have not seen Carol, you should really watch Carol. I, 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 uh,
0: no, Carol's I wasn't good, Carol was good, but I didn't though.
3: love. I didn't love
0: her in it. Yeah, I like Kate Blanchett. Oh, it, but.
3: I, I like it. Did y'all ever see the movie, uh, the Steven Soderbergh movie, Side Effects?
0: I couldn't I get through it either no. <laughs> because. I, it's that her though. Like, it is a very weird it, movie. But,
3: it's uh, a weird movie, but it one it's one that consistently surprised me. So it's one of those ones where I'm like, I forget that movie exists, but I remember really liking it. Right.
1: Now, uh, can we talk about what did you? I want to know what everybody thought about this choice. Uh, Nancy in this movie, she's an artist. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> no. Did did we <laughs> think the, that the they were gonna? Which... Did we, anything was ever gonna happen with that? Did 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 you think that? they were going to do something with that at some point like in all? a
3: nightmare like Freddie's going to draw something and like no i don't know that like, would have
0: been cool I, actually of all I'd the be, character they traits have done something with it. Yeah.
4: they couldn't because yeah. if you look at her like she's a victim and she's got repressed memories and i was thinking well maybe she's trying to like uncover them with her art yeah, and this is the way that they're coming up yes, they're coming yes. up in her psyche but it, it didn't go anywhere yeah
3: exactly it, the scene when she's painting. Have you ever seen not another teen movie? I mean, oh my god, I have that in my
0: notes. I said very not another teen movie. Where she's supposed like she's supposed to be creepy, but still she comes she's off as like, really angry.
3: Painting. Like, yeah, my does.
1: favorite <laughs> favorite line of hers is when she's in the car with Quentin. She's like, I don't know if you knows, but I don't really fit in. You're like, what? <laughs> What do you mean you don't fit in? Exactly like, right. you look like every other kid ever existed, and you're very attractive. You like, I, I, it's just bizarre. You're like, what's yeah. going on here? No, I
0: the, the art. I cannot believe you mentioned that another T movie. I literally have it in my notes. I, like, I, I, have,
3: I was I was half expecting in the pan and show her painting. And it was going to be some stick figures in a house. Like, yes, I, it was. <laughs>
0: It just felt so like – it's like she's like the emo artsy girl that is like so stereotypical – and, you know, like I got my, 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 my sweater is, is, is past my hands and, you know, I'm wearing my, my, uh my, my, my beanie and, and, mm-hmm. and it's just so boring and so stereotypical without it's paper thin. And I almost wish that like, she would have like been like, you know, like Kyle Gallner would have just been like, oh God, and she's got like paint on her overalls. And, you know, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> oh look at uh, oh. glasses, glasses. <laughs> It's just like she's a walking stereotype and like and, and and you could tell based on even just the quote I read earlier like Rooney Mara does not give a shit
3: about being in this movie. Well, but like, no, she's saying self-sabotage. And I'm like, no, you're not self-sabotaging. You're sa- cuz again, the movie would not have been great even if her performance had been stellar, mm-hmm. but it would have been something to latch onto. And yeah. she is literally and it's a cliché term, but asleep mm-hmm. during this entire it's so boring. She is giving you nothing to work with.
4: Right. And she has a really good arc. Like, she had, there's the potential for the story to really mean something to people, you know? Yeah. Like, watching it, and I'm watching her, like, as a victim uncovering repressed memories. And I'm, like, currently in therapy trying to, like, get some repressed memories that I have. And so I was watching her, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if they consulted anybody who has PTSD when they were doing this. Because she's got those lines at the very end where she's, like, on the bed and she's screaming, I want to wake up. And that's kind of a that I have when I get into memories that I don't want to go to. The imagery that I have is like, actually from the movie Sunshine, it's like being swallowed by uh, the sun and then I'll start oof. to get in these memories and I won't be able to wake up. Uh-huh. And so I was watching that and I really kind of connected with her for like a split second. And then when she says, you're in my world now, I think she. Was I was like this could have been something this could yeah. have been the I take back every every all the power I gave you and you she just doesn't care, You know? I know,
3: it's also a really bad line. It's 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 very much like Monica Kina's You're uh, welcome to my world now bitch a pretty first Jason. Yeah. yeah, but it works in that movie because that movie's dumb. This movie <laughs> is trying to be very serious yeah, and also, I, I, I'm going to rewind a little bit. So, because we know he molested Nancy. He was molesting all the kids, wrong, yes. right? Like, even the boys. But yeah. did he
2: molest Quentin
3: See that—that's the thing. Like, because the pictures they find are seemingly just Nancy, because he, like, you know, she was his favorite. So I guess he just took pictures of her when he was molesting her. Well, but she's the artist, you know. <laughs> yeah, Josh is the artist. Ugh, oh god. my god. Yeah. But like, uh... I, I'm I'm surprised though that because he's—I mean, not that it's like worse, quote unquote—that he's molesting the boys too. But I'm surprised they don't really do anything by saying that, which also goes into dangerous right. territory about like, oh, if you're queer, you know, you're a pedophile. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which yeah yeah th- th- there's there's not a lot of it's for a movie that really wants to like dig into its lore they really didn't really spend time actually like thinking it out <laughs> no. Like, no you know yeah. it, it feels like yeah and i wonder if like the what kitchen. the characters were given like what what was you know what was kyle gallner given like by the director mm-hmm. like or the writer like was he given anything like did they have to bring them the stuff like did they re- literally bring their own wardrobe like I feel like like Rooney Mara walked off the set of like The Social Network and was just like, "All right, I gotta go to this other job." All right, see you later. They
4: um, do yeah. so disparate, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't even I can't even imagine if they made a sequel if like she really was gung ho about that. I mean, obviously she wasn't because we see this in the performance. But if they did, we're like, look. You're contracted to do this, so let's bring you back. Well, like, could you imagine watching another okay. adventure with this?
3: No, she walks out of the audition, she goes, Oh, I know I got that. You can turn down the role no don't right? like it. Yeah, no, like joke. I don't understand. Like you didn't sign the contract yet. Yeah. And if you know you're contracted for another film and you are that like hateful towards the property, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Right. And
1: why would you why would you openly admit that? In these kinds of processes that you 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 attempt to throw things like why would it, why would anybody want to see her in a reading ever again mm. after that you I know, know? Yeah. like it's, it's just yeah, with exactly. her yeah. why are you, ta- yeah. why, are you ta- yeah. why are you even saying these things who'd have worked better at this time who would have who, yeah. who would have been a better you, who Nancy? would you want to see
0: Nancy in this if you if, if, obviously we all oh. are on board with the idea of Chris being the lead on here like yeah. imagine if they had like someone like a Jessica Roth like playing a
3: Chris here or something like. I mean, I mean oh, maybe man. that might
0: have been a little too much on in, in this movie but like.
3: No, 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 no! I know. I, I, I'm 100. Put Jessica Roth in everything. I don't even care. Love
0: her. <laughs> I love Happy Death Day too. And, but yeah. I, I just, I'm just thinking, like, who would be like? Could the comp, like, could a compelling lead actually have made this movie, like, you know, work? Because I, don't I think I, so.
4: I think Kristen Dunst might have been interesting because I yeah, really yeah,
3: like her. I think, <laughs> I think she was probably too old by this yeah, point. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, uh, I was. She would have been Connie Britton's character. God, I know, right? <laughs> uh, like, uh, what I if they the had crew, um Amanda oh. Crew auditioned for the role of Nancy. Uh, oh, in wow. this. But, and, and I like Amanda Crew. I mean, she's not like, you know, super memorable as an actress, but I think she would have had more charisma than fucking Rooney Morrow.
0: And she was coming mm. off, I think she was in Final Destination, one of the Final Destination
3: movies. She was, was in just... the third one. The third But one. she was also in the vastly underrated teen sex comedy Sex Drive, and she's yes. really good in that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And yeah, she would have been good. I, what about, um? what if Emma Roberts had gotten this role? You know, she's literally yeah. a year removed from Scream Four. Um, yeah, because
3: because uh, yeah, Scream Four was the year after this. So um, it would have been interesting because she was, you know, doing Nancy Drew and like all these Nickelodeon things, Hotel for Dogs and whatnot. Uh, I <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing it, but only but because it would have probably prevented her from doing Scream Four. Yeah. I I'm loath to say I want that to happen because I, I love Emma Roberts in Scream Four. I <laughs> do. Yeah. Ditto.
4: All I'm right. seeing what she's okay. doing on American Horror Story right now, and I'm not crazy about it.
3: Because okay, she's, um, she's not playing a bitch.
4: Yeah, yeah, and, and she's not interesting. But I yeah. think, like, Tessa Formiga maybe could have Ooh. done pretty oh, well. Oh, yeah, that like, would have been cool. No,
3: okay, no how, you, how you feel about Rudy Mara is how I feel about Tessa Formiga. <laughs> <laughs> that girl cannot emote for shit. Hey,
0: have you seen In the Valley of Violence?
3: She's pretty great in that. Um, she's uh, fine in that, but she's like... I mean, but she's I, punchy. I,
0: she's supposed to be like kind of punchy and like quirky in that movie. So it doesn't really. It's not Karen, like her. Karen oh, was Karen Gillan. Yeah, <laughs> we
1: was get Karen Gillan in there. Oh wow, if, uh, with, yeah, with her Karen with Gillen. her Scottish accent. That would have been great. Uh, oh, really so shake it up. Uh, what about Marcus Marcus Yeun? The web. Oh yeah, web, we can't about Marcus. That that scene <laughs> was like. I don't mind that scene. I don't either because it's world building, yeah. but. you know okay we got to update this okay yeah yeah someone probably would have done some kind of web diary thing Mm -hmm. okay i thought that was interesting i don't think i didn't need to see like his his head hit the screen no i think if it had just lingered on him for a second and then the video stopped i think that would have been creepier and that wasn't live right that like that was like literally like archival video No, it was archival footage so So it's like someone kept that out there yeah exactly uh yeah (laughs) what (laughs) evidence of the terms of agreement do they have Uh, on these fucking videos and then i've gotta mention the the random cop at the end of the film that you just hear say no sign of a body anywhere <laughs> which makes, it also right. makes no sense or I just love when they're, when they're picking up uh, Jesse in the park that one cop's just like shut the fuck up yeah. <laughs> 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 it's just like
0: out jays I don't know. Jeez. I, I, have, I, I have a question on the supporting cast how much how 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 long do you think Connie Britton was actually on set for this movie oh day. oh like
3: yeah, I did, day, they. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that—that's that, another one too. I mean, because like, what what can Connie Britton do with this role? But like, right. you know, uh, Ronnie Blakely is so memorable as the mom and her fucking alcoholic yeah. Uh, tendencies. Yeah, right. right. they right. don't give her anything to do in this movie. Yeah, there's no, no like defining trait for her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Except well, when they're going after Freddie, she is the voice of reason. That's like, hey, guys, we have done. But this is how we should do this. And Clancy Brown's like, shut up! Like we're gonna kill this guy. You know, <laughs> like it's so. It's like, oh, okay. Well, she was against it, but then is like wrapped up in this. But they don't give her anything. You're absolutely right. They and don't,
4: that- and they could have because they could have said like the sins. Of yeah. like the whole in the first movie, the sins of the parents are what brings Freddy to the kids, and the sins of the parents in this movie are repressing the memories of their children, and they didn't do anything with that either. No.
0: And I wouldn't believe it. That, or... like... go for it.
3: I was just saying, do y'all still buy that twelve of these kids would all repress their memories over this one incident? I I, I, I can't either. buy that at all.
0: No, unless there's yeah. like some sort supernatural element that's involved with it. But no, yeah,
1: right. Okay. They I, they I, I, each here's another thing. You're you're one of these parents. <laughs> You just killed this man in the same town, and this incidents happen in the same the same area generally. For the most part, yeah. you're all going to yeah. move to the same neighborhood <laughs> where these kids can interact and have like like triggering. Mo- like, what were you thinking? And what what is the line of thought there? Uh, I don't know. Well,
3: no wait. Also, you have the thing though where Chris is like, oh, I don't remember knowing Dean. I we met in high school, and they knew each other in preschool, but they still lived in the same town. And right. so they still presumably went to the same schools yeah, even exactly. after they like, like that doesn't make any sense. No. Right.
0: It's so I weird. I mean, I as look, I've had hazy memories before for sure. I pretty much remember like nursery up, like first grade or kindergarten up for the most part. Like flashes yeah. at the very but Here's east. the
1: thing. If, like, if these kids were molested and all that like I can I can understand I can understand the repression of that. Mm-hmm. But, but like you said, they go. They're all of the same school, so they're going to see each other. Yeah. So they, they, there had to have been moments yeah. where they 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 all they knew, or maybe together something also, happened. Nostalgia is a powerful thing. Like people are going to yeah. like talk about shit too.
0: Like hey, remember that one time? Well, oh yeah, what was that creepy guy who was in like the brown shirt all the time? Um, well, that's
3: why it makes sense though that like Aaron Yu's character like they all because again like there's all these other kids that have been killed already by this mm-hmm. point by Freddie in their dreams, and these are the, the kids that moved away, and so Freddie saves the you know, the. Five, four or five that are left on Elm Street for last, because yeah, reasons.
4: Right, I, I wouldn't it, start there.
3: <laughs> I don't, I, it, it's, it's a real bizarre choice.
4: Yes.
0: How oh. how much more effective would this movie been if Clancy Brown was reprising his role from Pet Cemetery Two, where he's just <laughs> like the oh, zombie dad, the, the new zombie Freddie? Yeah, <laughs> he, no, he's like a vessel for Freddy. I um, uh,
1: love Clancy Brown. Oh, uh, God,
0: Stay he could have been
4: potatoes. He, he could have um, been in yeah.
1: this. I
3: just he know. I just been noticed Freddy, Yeah. Do y'all know who plays the the the, the the nurse or doctor who's yes, trying to say Yes, Here we go. Uncredited. Matt, uncredited for some I, reason. I, I literally Hogue. just read this. <laughs> from Halloween Town and April uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. from
1: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mike and I were joking around about, is this actually TMNT4? We were saying, yeah, this is TMNT4. <laughs>
0: April has lost her job uh, due to media cutbacks and is living in Elm Street. <laughs> the,
1: um, turtles are, uh, the, tur- the turtles are... Somewhere. The turtles are somewhere in that basement with... Uh, with Funny you with mentioned. Th- the
0: new... <laughs> the, well, funny you mention the turtles because guess what's a platinum Dunes remake? Also, Teenage Mutant Ninja 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 Turtles. turtles. I know like, there was gonna be a like crossover. A yeah.
1: Crossover. Of Freddy's actually the new Splinter.
0: Oh, great! Okay. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> God, um, that's all I've got for yeah, the, all right. the old well, characters. Though. We 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 spent a yeah. lot of time on Elm Street talking about all these crazy kooky kids. Um, do you think it's time we uh, talk about some great graphics? Ah!
2: <laughs> What do you know? I beat my high score.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got. Can I start
1: off with this? Just go for it. Yeah, go. Yeah. One of one of the best scenes, and I'm going to compare it to the original because you have to. Yeah, yeah, you have to. One mm-hmm. of the best scenes in the original is when Nancy's sleeping mm-hmm. and yeah. Freddy comes out of the wall. Yeah, it's oh, so oh. scary and creepy. And they, even though it's it's done in such a simple way, it's so effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of as. You know, I I felt like when we went to see this movie, Mike, we were probably sitting in the theater and so far we we're just like, OK, you know, this is interesting mm-hmm. when he comes out of that wall. Mm. I don't care. It's 2010. Yeah. The special effect, the CG that is used and not only does he come out of the wall, but he like swoops yeah. down the side of her. And <laughs> it is one of the most jarring that pulled me out of the film. I just thought. I was just, any hope I had had for this film being any good went right out the, the window. Yeah. I was just so we, disappointed. I just
0: watched The Frighteners last night. And the the, the, the effects in that movie were better than in in 1996 than the 2010 effects of Freddy coming out of the fucking wall here. I I I absolutely agree with you. And
1: and even that movie, even that movie is supposed to be somewhat funny. Some of those effects still work and are more frightening than than this sequence. It's so ludicrous. Yeah. the, Uh, the, the,
3: the, The CGI in this movie is like horrendously bad and that, uh-huh. that 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 scene which is i believe it like the 13 minute mark of the movie so like they put it at the very beginning it's not even filmed like shot in a good way too. No. You know, in the original you have that like it's like it's almost like it's like a pitch black room and you have like a dome of light shining on nancy as mm-hmm. freddie kind of comes down it's really cool this one they start as an overhead shot and you immediately of course see the, the cartoon wall start to move it's, it's so it's, well lit too the lights still yeah. on in the room. Yeah.
0: It's like, bitch, how are you sleeping? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, when you're scared, you put the light on because, uh, you know, you never know it can creep out at night. Well, that makes um, sense. No, but just, I just. don't know. Why really I'm into, this fucking yeah, movie, <laughs> but, um, to the defense. <laughs> you know, actually, I just got, I have, uh, you know, I have Brad Strick on the line right now. Um, she <laughs> <laughs> wants to defend it. But uh, no, I, I, the one thing I will say for the CGI that does work, and I, I already mentioned, I think, earlier in the episode, is that when it does peel back the setting, to to kind of you know float in the past, like when when Colin Gardner's like like um when he's uh when he's swimming and he gets mm-hmm. pulled down and then all of a sudden he's out in like Gary, Indiana, where they shot this for like the factories mm-hmm. and everything. That's effective. Like I thought that was really cool. Like and that's kind of going back yeah. to like the way they play with
1: location in the original. But see ones. that thing with that though. That's just that's all camera work and, and yeah, cut. It is yeah. And and I think that that well, is where this movie succeeds yeah. in 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 the special effects department is more so the sequence uh the pharmacy sequence when, well that's when, I mean. he's, the when he's attacking are great. well yeah. when he's yeah when he's attacking uh nancy and they keep cutting between the boiler room and the aisle and then like yes the, he knocks off some of the some of the stuff that's on the shelf like yeah. i think that's a really I effective agree. way of playing with that idea and that's really think- cool and well done
3: I think what you're talking about, Michael, is um, whenever Chris is in the classroom and it, like, mm-hmm. all, all the bodies around her turn to ash and it morphs mm-hmm. into, like, I think, I thought that was actually really cool. Yeah. I thought that was a really neat shot. Um, and, I'm, I mean, obviously that's all CGI because it's, like, cartoon ashes around her. But it looks fine, again, compared to something like that fucking wall. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, and, and, sorry, Jen, you going to say? Yeah, I just agree. Yeah, they... <laughs> My The thing that really bothered me about all all the CG and this is that it's used for kind of jump scares and mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. If yeah. Freddie is trying to keep you in this dream, that's why I love when Nancy falls asleep in the original. Again, I, I have to go back to the original. <laughs> it's the things that they ignored is Nancy falls asleep. She doesn't know that she's dreaming yet. Yeah. And she kind of lazes and walks into the hall and she sees Tina and she walks like, it's very weird, but it's like, it's just, that's what happens when you're dreaming about, and you just kind of fall into it. And these, I'm sorry, but if I'm Chris and all of a sudden everything extinguishes into ash, I wake up. Yeah. You're not staying in that dream. I I don't understand the reasoning behind Mm, a lot of the the effects in that sense. I do like that effect. I think it's done really well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do agree with you, but I don't. I don't buy it in this in this the, uh, scenario the thing this is, is this movie
0: does that though in certain situations I mean like when you look at Thomas Decker's death and he's like oh he's he thinks that you know it's the parole or like parole that he gets a mm. bail and then all of a sudden he sees the wall has changed it's just enough to make you go like oh all right I, I guess I am sleeping but it's not jarring enough and you and it would and you yes. would still say trapped the thing that I, I mean, I think the, the the fact that we have that dichotomy here in this movie just goes to show that they never really thought out the logic at all with the dreams. They were just yeah. like, well, what no. works for an effective, Sometimes it stylish works. Sometimes thing? it doesn't. Yeah, Which and, maybe yeah. speaks to the director being a fucking music video director exactly. also, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. what well, because on the cool. surface,
4: like the classroom turning into ashes works if she's uncovering a memory because yeah. it would be a memory of another yeah. classroom, but it doesn't fit with what you're saying. Like that would immediately tell her she's in danger.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: So it, just it doesn't go together
3: yeah and but then like you have like a, the, the shot of nancy walking out and it's like snowing like there are things like that that i think are but again that's not really like that's not cgi like that's like production design mm.
0: and there, there's also a lot of stuff that's just i mean we've talked about i mean mac you've you've done the you've prefaced this every argument is that like you know you don't want to like call back to the, the the past and like the original movie but the but movie, this movie
3: does that makes non-stop. you do that stop
1: yeah, yeah. Like, yes like, i would ignore it if it didn't Hint at it Every right. other you scene You know what this
0: movie's like This movie's like That friend And I was that friend actually Like at the lunch table <laughs> Who just sits there And does fucking impersonations Of everyone Like left and right And at some point You're like Stop Like just stop Like come up with your yeah. own joke Like do something different Like Alright we get it Wow you could do Bill Hader impersonations Awesome Like that's what this movie Feels like Like it's just yeah. like Look look it's, Look at the bag In the hallway again Remember that from the original one We're doing it And now she's smiling right. But it's it, like,
1: again They do these things But they're like not even remotely as effective yeah the bag no. in the hallway yep. thing no uh, well it, even the bathtub
3: we... <laughs> sequence it's like you get the glove come out but then you don't get the payoff of her being dragged underwater because then yeah. they give that to kyle Garner mm-hmm.
4: right you yeah. get none of yeah, the like actual terrifying pieces, stuff just them around.
0: it's just yeah it's 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 a little it's a mismatch and i, I think the the fact that we, it, this was the chance to see i mean look the whole year on Halloweenies we've talked about what a new nightmare would look like in this era with this technology this is the closest example we have and it's clearly the most obvious notion of seeing where the imagination just seeps away because as we saw the, the, the only thing we never ever criticized with any nightmare installment on this podcast is imagination we always say it's, it's still imaginative that's the best part about this film yada 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 like for the most part even with freddie versus jason we there's still parts of it where we're like oh that's kind of imaginative even though it's cool waning a little bit yeah. but this is one where i like i think that is absolutely the biggest problem with this movie and there's just there's yeah. just no creativity there's no imagination even with things like where you're like visually it can be kind of cool like the snow in the bedroom you are like all right well why the fuck is this in here again like, like all right great yeah, can like, you
1: imagine if like quentin's quentin's dream in the library that door shuts and then he has to watch him murder all those kids. And then it cuts to him waking up and just screaming in the library and everybody. There's just, there's, there's, there's set up in this film of, of Mm -hmm. good nightmares, but But then then they always wake up Mm -hmm. and it's like, no, like even if the bathtub thing had been different, you know, uh, maybe she gets pulled down and then what, or They're in the ocean you know, or something like that something, or you know, something different, different you know like play you can play you can hint at the original and play with those things if you do something interesting and new with it mm-hmm. but they just it's just a cop-out mm-hmm. it's just again it's just put the pull on the heartstring to make you remember that and like oh i like that from the original but you're confusing it with liking this movie the people are not hey. stupid <laughs> and and that that shows yeah a lot of people came out to see this and it did well no one talks about this movie no
3: no mm. one remembers this. Well, that's, yeah, that's why they didn't make a sequel because both the critical and fan reaction was so negative. Yeah. Uh,
4: yeah. yeah. Well, and as for as much energy as they spend, like trying to recreate the old stuff, if they had used that energy to flesh out the new things they were adding in, I think it would have been way more effective.
1: Totally. Because the like yeah. you were saying, Mike, that the micro naps, great idea. Yep. Yeah. It, it's like so uncontrollable at that point. You can't, you're just in and out of sleep. Uh, That is one of the scariest things and not being in control of falling asleep at that point. And they don't do enough of it. They don't work with that enough. That is such a really great idea. And
0: this franchise has tried so hard over the years to kind of capture that feeling. Like an original one especially. And most of the time they just have to lean wholly into the dream to be like, oh yeah, actually they were dreaming the whole time. But the fact that they were going in and out of this in here
1: is great. Like there's a chaos to that that is so scary. Here's another really upsetting thing to think about the whole idea of you know if you stay up long enough you'll go into a coma mhm mm-hmm. and then, and then he does say at one point he's like well i wanted to, i was teasing you and teasing you enough cuz i wanted you to go to sleep cuz then you'll sleep forever now the child murder thing, that doesn't make sense. You know, yeah, he just wants to kill them. But if he really just wants to, like, trap them in a dream and molest them for That's the rest terrifying. of eternity. Like, mm-hmm. think about, think about, like, the, like if all those other people, they found out that they were in a coma. And then they realized that he was just, like, messing with yeah. them in the dream still. Like, mm-hmm. forever. Like, that is frightening. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying being caught in that. And then the micro-naps are even scarier because that, you're almost on the brink of mm-hmm. going into a coma. Yeah. yeah. But they don't. They Do of that. that? No. <laughs> it's so They're more wow.
0: concerned with getting to the end, when that can be, you know, like the hey, how can we top the original ending from the first one? But right, well, they don't. <laughs> don't. They don't. No, So God, similar
1: no. is bizarre.
0: Um, well, mm. we've talked about the effects. Now it's time to talk about. Oh God, this is gonna be a really tough <laughs> section. Also, our favorite dream in a section we like to call "Welcome to Prime Time, Bitch." I think we pretty much agree that the, the, the Thomas Decker sequence is
3: probably the best, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I mean... It, it, it's a close call between that and the blood hallway for mm, me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I do I, like it. Uh, sorry, Jake, go
4: ahead. I was going to say, I like the dream hallway, the blood hallway, but it's better in the first one. They didn't top it. And I think the Thomas Decker one is at least different and original. And that's what I like about it.
0: Because my, my biggest problem with Rod's death in the first one is that I just it seems so um, uh, like cartoonish to me. You yeah. Know, Cause,
3: yeah. The sheet moving by itself around his neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Like you can almost tell like they've maybe filmed that last and they ran out of production budget. <laughs> They're like, well, <laughs> Hey, we could do this kind of cool effect with a, you know, um, a, a think, hanger. But the,
1: the thing with that, those, in that, in that version, Freddie is, he's almost purposely doing that because that, Then they don't they still don't think that it would be anything else other than Mm -hmm. he hung himself. Yeah. You know, he's like (laughs) he's killing them in ways that they're not going to Well, not Glenn. But (laughs) I mean, (laughs) uh, so but yeah, I I like uh, that death, the drawn out nature of that of that sequence. Uh, The dream itself isn't scary. I think I like that he plays with him and is teasing him and all that. And that dialogue there is actually pretty good. But in terms of like creativity and dream favorite dream sequence, I I, I still think that that micro nap pharmacy yeah. sequence works for me. Yeah, the most. even though it's so short, I no, I'm going that for that. That is really yeah. well done, and I just wish there were more bystanders like standing around like seeing like her or, like, just what was happening. Re- yeah, yeah. I, that's a missed opportunity too. And, uh, also with 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 Chris's death, um, you know she she flops around and then just gets just gets like. Sliced again, Mm. Rod watching Tina
3: is so for like
1: a minute solid is so horrifying, you know what I mean? Like, it's just I think they miss, yeah. We don't really get to see
3: Jesse's reaction. I mean, we get like one reaction shot of him like seeing her float around the room, but like we don't get to see the look of horror on his face, like as this is happening, Mm -hmm. well,
1: yeah, like Dean's death in the very beginning, like you see. Everybody's awake and they see him cut yeah. his own throat, and that is a fa- that's a, when in those those dreams are effective. The dream doesn't have to be as effective if you're going to show what us happens. What's really outside. Happening. It's like the missed opportunity in Freddy's Dead when Brecken Myers mm-hmm. like yeah. bouncing uh, around, he's not actually being hurt. But if they showed him like smacking up against the walls and his head just being just obliterated, just yeah. all, if that if we were seeing that in real life, that would be horrifying. But mm-hmm. he's not; he's just jumping around like just he's game in the dream. Over, it's very bizarre. Yeah, I see, I think bizarre is my favorite. <laughs> well, bizarre is the word of the day, folks. I keep using that, but it, it is. It's just weird. Missed opportunities yeah. all throughout. Well, it's the like the film.
0: Debbie's death. I've always like if you could do the yeah. reverse of that, you could see literally what happens in the dream and then leave your imagination to wonder actually what happened to her in real life. Because like when Debbie dies as a cockroach in four, I ever since I was a kid. I still wonder, like, what her body looked like. When yeah, they find what, her. what
1: did what did what did they find? Just crushed, yeah, I guess, yeah. by the weights, maybe, or
0: Ugh. yeah, or even Glenn. Like, when you think about it, like, when and they I, made that one line where they're like, you know, we can't even, we have to like, I think they they like scoop him up or something like that." And like, it was we, like, what yeah. happened to him yeah. in the dream? Uh,
4: the either one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it's just, one of the most disturbing images in that first movie. It's just them catching pieces of their son in a bucket underneath mm-hmm. the floor. It's Ugh. just. Awful. And there's not as much reaction to this, and that I don't think we see the pain on their faces as much as we do, and so it doesn't have as much impact.
0: I agree. Yeah, yeah. I would. I think the micro naps, for the most part, the the only thing that I would ultimately take away from this movie. Um, it's
1: the, the superlative. It's it's, it's <laughs> the blue ribbon micro nap has, has been handed <laughs> yeah. out. Um, are we ready to take some Hypnosil? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: it's too late, Kruger
2: I know the secret now, this is just a dream, you're not alive, this whole thing is just a dream. I want my mother and friend again. You what? I take back every bit of energy I gave you. You're nothing.
0: All right, final thoughts. Who wants to kick this one off? Trace? How Um, many many finger knives are we doing? Oh, we're doing four. Okay. We're doing four finger knives.
3: It's out of four? Yeah. Okay, so I'm giving this two finger knives, and I realize that for some people that may be too high. (laughs) I'm going to go back to what, what I said in the beginning. I don't think this is a terrible movie. No. It's competently made. There are a few good performances. There are a few good ideas. It's just a bunch of missed opportunities and it feels like there wasn't a clear vision. It feels, I, I don't even want to say it feels phoned in because I do feel like there was effort put into this, but there also wasn't effort put into it. Yeah. It's, it's so like from a technical standpoint, I see the effort from an, uh, uh, a creativity standpoint. I don't see the effort. And that's mm-hmm. if you have one horror franchise that needs creativity, it's the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And that's, what's missing from this. So, um, it, it, It's so forgettable. It's gonna have no legacy whatsoever. But I don't think it deserves to be in the pantheon of like worst horror remakes. I think it just—it's just—it exists as a film on a disc.
0: I agree. I'm gonna—I'm gonna follow you because I have some basically piggybacking on all those thoughts. It does the worst thing uh, possible, which is that it's not awful, it's not great, it's not good. It's just meh. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. that is sometimes the worser fate for any movie yeah. because then you just become obsolete and for me this just feels kind of like it's, it's it's a total missed opportunity and it's a really depressing missed opportunity because now we've been what 10-15 Years now, almost next year, for yep. not having a nightmare Can't movie. For those
1: anniversary screenings,
0: you know, <laughs> yeah, the anniversary. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna have a tenth anniversary. And they're gonna bring the whole cast and be like, "Where's Rooney?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> uh, for that reason. I'm 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 just gonna give it. Um, I'm gonna give it two. Also, I think uh, actually no, I'll give because out of four. I want to go with one and a half. So let's yeah. just imagine like my my actual figure of Freddy over there that I have where he's missing all his knives, but he's got one little one left. So there you go. <laughs> so one and a half for me. But uh, Jen, do you want to take this one?
4: Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a two also. Um, I think there are things in here that I like. I think... Um, If you look at it just as scariness, it did scare me and there were some disturbing things in it. But I'm going to add a little animosity to my two because (laughs) it could have been a four. Like there were things in here that I really wanted to see. And I think you're, you have a cast full of characters that are survivors of terrible things and you have an opportunity to say something about that. And I feel like they gave us just enough of that. They dipped their toe into the water of making a point and then backed away from it. And that just makes me angry because if you're not going to do anything with that, then just leave it alone and just make a fun slasher. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And I'm going to jump on Mike's with, I'm gonna give it one, one finger knife and a and a micro nap as like one, <laughs> a, one, one and a half, one and a half uh, for me. It, I absolutely agree with you, Mike. I think one of the worst things you can possibly do is just be okay. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to when this is supposed to be the the one the movie that reinvigorates the franchise. Yeah. Uh It's it's almost it's almost worse to be forget like I mean to be forgettable because. You know, as, as bad as, you know, Jason X and stuff like that is, you know, I, I'll still watch those movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? t- uh, Jason X I is st- a brilliant masterpiece. Well, no, I, I, I enjoy Jason X a lot. I but think it's a fun, I, I really fun, love bad watching movie. that movie because, like, yeah, because for sure, it's, for sure. it's, it's fun to watch. But mm-hmm. this is just, this is just like a chore. Yeah. It was a chore to watch. And, and, and I would have given it, two if if the scares and the uncomfortableness was still there for me, because when I remember when I first watched the movie, I was uncomfortable because of all of the pedophilia stuff. And I was, that really was unnerving, but watching it the second time, I just, it didn't, it didn't uh, work on me this no. time. I didn't buy it almost, or I didn't, I didn't believe that it was as, I don't know. It just didn't bother me as much. And, and that's even more sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, one, one finger knife and a, and a, and a pharmacy micro nap for me. <laughs> you,
3: well, I think. Do ask. you think? Do Do you like any entri- entries in the franchise more or less than this one? Ooh, or is this bottom question. of the barrel for y'all? Do Ding.
1: I like it less? Oh yeah, no, I I think Freddy's Dead's worse than this. Yeah, I I I, would, okay. I, would,
3: I, I, I think the same. <laughs> I I, yeah.
1: I I will watch Freddy's Dead, and 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 every time I do, it's you're like, oh, maybe this is not as bad as I remember it being. It's kind of like Halloween Five in a sense. Yeah, uh, but that's always yeah. not good. Here here's
0: the reason why I think Freddy's Dead is even more. A, like of a downer to watch it's it's literally watching a decade um realize it's over like you watch that movie and <laughs> it's it's like the 90s are like slowly taking over and you see a franchise that is still like they didn't realize the 80s is, are done it's like the end of a, a party like when a guy shows mm-hmm. up at like five in the morning and is like oh yeah oh OK, <laughs> it's over like that. And like watching like Freddy's Dead, especially when it was um when it was on Shudder, like it was playing every day. And like I mentioned on every one of these podcasts is like I just leave Shudder in the background when I'm working during the day. And so I would watch it like every fucking day. And um just getting to Freddy's Dead was so depressing because it's just like it really does have that sort of like where's the after party oh there is none oh it's over okay okay i guess i'll go home and sit there and like so for me that 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 alone puts it below this one because at least at the very you know at the very least you could watch this and look at kyle garner and be like he's yeah he what happened to him um (laughs) you get a whole scene of him in a speedo
3: running around it's awesome
0: yeah yeah and i imagine i i I almost want to ask him like was it a winner when they're, or like cold when they were doing that scene. Cause I imagine mm-hmm. it must have been fucking insanely uncomfortable when you're in Gary, Indiana, if they're filming it like fall. Yeah,
1: I couldn't gauge the, uh, the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it cold? Are we supposed to be off? Is it supposed to be weird that there's snow in the room? Or is, is yeah. it wintertime? <laughs> that, well, that was the thing
0: also, is uh, not to go too much back on the movie, but yeah, like I, I want to go back and look at the production history, cause I want to say it was maybe the spring or late, like early summer. So I don't know. Mm-hmm.
3: But. Well, that that would make sense with an April release date. Yeah, I
0: think they need a little bit more time, but um it, b- actually based on that and this is a tangent also, Stranger Things 4 supposed to be filming from January to August. Can it make a December release?
1: Like if it's going to be wrapping in August?
0: I I feel like you I think I we know. need
1: some more time. Okay. I think we need some time before yeah. Stranger Things season four. Yeah.
0: Well, that makes sense then.
1: Um, yeah. Well, those
0: kids to be so old.
1: No, I know it's going to
0: be. Uh, it was already weird in th- three yeah. when Finn and Wifard like, have is... to
4: cut Will's hair. Too, <laughs> yeah, if <he's> old. yeah. <laughs> they're
1: all going to be camp counselors now, right? Yeah, is I think right? so. Maybe they
0: can oh, uh, the... go to uh, Friday the Thirteenth Land or something. But Camp Crystal oh. Lake. Um, huh. Hey. As that might be where we're heading. We don't know yet, but we're done with Elm Street. I mean, this is it. I mean, we still have Friday's Nightmares. We'll debate if we're going to actually have the, the time for that in November. But um, that was it. I mean, you know, it's Trace, Jen, journey. thank you for, for, for joining us on this last hurrah. Yeah, I mean, thank you for having us. It's yeah, ti- it was awesome. it's, it's, uh, it's time to leave Elm Street, which is sad. Uh, it's been a fun year. Um, I, I can't really tell. I, I think ultimately... I enjoyed uh, being on Elm Street more than um, oh, Haddonfield uh, because I think after a while yeah. Haddonfield gets really 100%. tiring. One hundred percent. Because you just or, so Trace, you just watched all of them last weekend. Yeah. Was that a chore to get through at some point?
3: Man, I will tell you. Uh, so the, the biggest changes in ranking for me. Let me. Uh, f- four, I did not like as much as, as I remembered liking it. Yeah. Um, five and six. I actually I watched the producers cut of six for the first time, and I was mm-hmm. uh, I was entertained by it even if it's not good. Um but yeah th- that's still a I,
0: better cut in there for between the there is and the yeah. producers.
3: But yeah. but that stretch of four through six. so we basically watched one through eight. So one through resurrection <laughs> on Saturday, went to bed, woke up at eleven A. M. on Sunday and did both Rob Zombies um and I Oof. the 2018 one. Uh,
2: <laughs> Yikes. Save the best yeah, for last, I guess. I know it, it's, <laughs> I,
3: and I know y'all are hard on the 2018 one. I, I didn't like it as much on a rewatch as I did like when I first saw. It. I still like it fine. I think yeah. I prefer H two O just as like an Me too. ending. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. I, I will tell you, I still really don't like Rob Zombie's first Halloween. But I man, I I really and I I'm shocked to be saying this. Enjoyed H two and I liked what it does with PTSD for Final Girls. I yeah. don't, I didn't find Compton as grating as I remembered her finding her the first time. I mean, she's not a likable character, but like I under the director's cut of Two is what I watched, and I it was such a better put together film than the theatrical cut that I remembered seeing.
0: It is, um, yeah.
3: It do, it doesn't all work, and I will cop to that. But I was just surprised at how much more I liked it on this go round.
0: Yeah, this it, I feel like the only the only thing that was really detracting from it for me was just that I wish we had a little bit more of like dialogue I, I actually wish annie was more of like the the main character yeah. because her mm-hmm. character her, her arc is really great and her death is just like oof but um there's a lot of screaming in that movie <laughs> yeah there is
3: it, it, it's it's not an easy watch and no. that's why i'm using the word enjoy the movie like loosely i don't want to rewatch it anytime soon but i'm glad that i did see it again because to to give me a fresh perspective on that film
0: yeah yeah jen uh are you, have you uh, been marathoning any movies for halloween
4: um yeah, actually I've been marathoning um the Simpsons Halloween episodes.
0: Oh, nice.
4: <laughs> my Halloween tradition, yeah. Love Yeah, that. those are my favorites. But I like I've been rewatching um some of the Final Girl stuff. We just watched Candyman for episodes, um, which was really interesting to look at now because I hadn't seen that movie and I don't know, probably 10 years, and I just saw so much more in it. Now that I'm like, we have the podcast and I do writing, I've been re-watching some of these movies that I grew up watching with like a more critical eye, mm-hmm. and I'm finding a lot of them I like a lot more, and then some of them I'm like, oh, why did I like that movie so much? Like we watched VHS recently, and that movie, there are some issues in that movie that have not aged well. That
3: yeah. I was really shocked. Bye. You, you say VHS. Um, I well, I, uh, I, I well, Brad Miska. Sorry, but I really don't like. Sorry, my my, my editor like pretty, bloody produced those movies. But sure. I yeah. I I I don't like the first one very much, especially the um the the first story about the the vampire girl because yeah. it's the, the it's there's a lot of um misogyny and talking masculinity in the first movie that I was I, I, even on my first watch I was like uh I don't love this. Yeah. Did you like the second movie though?
4: Yeah, same second one. I'm have yeah, to check that out.
0: I feel both have like at least some uh, chapters that really, yeah, that, that like any really, like, anthology. Like the the first the first one for me, like the haunted house at the end is just, is just so effective to me. Like I think yeah. it's so scary. Um,
3: See, I like I like the Thai West honeymoon segment. Oh mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, that's the one I didn't that I didn't that didn't stick with me anymore. But and yeah. I love Thai West, which is so crazy. But yeah, um, well. Look, this is actually being dropped on Halloween. So this is fitting that we are talking about uh, some of the horror movies here. But um, and this means that this is also the last day for the Losers Club 31 days of Halloween, which means I'm not going to have to make these trailers anymore, which is (laughs) very nice to do because I I don't know why I thought that would be a fun idea to do. But I hope everyone enjoyed that. But uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this run for Elm Street. And what we're going to be doing next, we will announce on our socials. Please follow us on uh, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, you could find us everywhere there, and we're going to be uh, updating what's going to be Season 3. Maybe we'll go to Starcourt Mall. I'm just joking. But, uh, you know, before we go, though, Trace, where can our listeners find you?
3: Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Traced Thurman. That's my first name, last name, with a D in the middle. Uh, We... Uh, horror Queers has, I mean, you can find Horror Queers on Bloody Disgusting, on iTunes, Stitcher, I, uh, Spotify, all that crap. Um, and then we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group, but we have not yet made the crossover into a Twitter handle for the podcast. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Uh, Twitter's a lot yeah. of fucking work. But uh, yeah, if you want to hear uh, me and my lovely co-host Joe Lipsit talk about uh, gay things and horror movies or add gay things to horror movies that don't have gay things in them <laughs> – then you can give us a listen.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great show. I, I just uh, listened to Cursed, which is a blast because <laughs> fucking Christ, that movie is a mess. <laughs>
3: Um, that but, movie is so bad. Oh, yeah, it's no, it's so great. bad. Yeah, commendable the... for
1: revisiting cursed. Yeah. <laughs> <God.
3: laughs> well, I got I got to interview Jesse Eisenberg for Zombieland, and I asked him about cursed, and he was a legitimately shocked that anyone would ask him about it, and B <laughs> very excited to talk about it. Like he was like, "Oh, oh my god! Great. Like, what can I tell you? Like, let's go." That's, yeah, that's so great. awesome.
0: Yeah, you got to find that interview online. It's great. Um, I the whole. That just that that whole story is wild. I remember following it just week to week and month to month uh, and year to year when it was first announced to when it actually rolled out in the theaters. And I remember that opening night, all of us just being like, woof, you know, no pun intended. That was worse than I actually thought it was <laughs> going to be, which is we went well, in with low expectations.
3: You can find the original script online, by the way, and it's a much better movie. Like yeah. you can read it, and you're like, "What were they thinking?" I mean, there's one aspect about the ending that's just stupid as fuck, but other than that, like the original script was just a much better movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Jen, where can I listen yeah. to find you?
4: Um, you can find me on all the socials at Jen Ferratu. Um, you can also find me co-hosting the horror virgin podcast um, like I said at the beginning we're a horror comedy podcast where my friend Todd does not like to be scared at all so we watch a movie with him every week and then I try to convince him to love it and we laugh a little bit at how scared he gets at the jump scares um, but yeah we you can find us there on um, horror virgin on all the soap the socials and at horror virgin.com. dot com nice if you like how did you get made how did this get made and you like horror movies you'll probably like us it's real fun
0: definitely check them out Please, please, and follow. Support. Yeah. Where can we find you?
1: (laughs) Right here on Halloweenies (laughs) and uh, the Losers Club (laughs) podcast where we speak about Stephen King weekly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we
0: are going to be covering Dr. Sleep. if you are listening today, uh, tomorrow – well, actually, I think today we are going to be running our review of Dr. Sleep because we had just watched it on Wednesday. And the next week – I'm seeing be, it Wednesday, too. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> and, um, and then the following week, we're going to be doing the book. So uh, we got that. And then we're going to figure out where we're going to go and take Halloweenies next uh, – over the next couple of weeks. And uh, obviously, like I said before, follow us on socials to find out until then – Whatever you do, don't, don't fall, fall asleep fall asleep. <laughs>